You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey, this is a very special episode. It is the Austin 70.3 review. And man, I did really, really well. And I'm going to tell you everything that I did. And then also, we have an interview with Hilary Biscay. She's the 2013 Ultraman. Ultraman. Not Ironman, but Ultraman world champion. That's a, a double Ironman plus a little extra distance race, uh, stage race in Hawaii, done over three days, and she took it out, and I run into to her at the uh, race expo and get a nice little interview with her. It's really cool. And then there's some other fun stuff with her, too. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a very quick, uh, a quick recap of the race, so you can get an idea, you can get an idea of what happened uh, and what went down. And that'll just take a couple minutes. And then um, then we're going to go into the recording of the days building up to the race. And what I did, pretty much uh, a little short uh, entry, uh, pretty much each day leading up to the race for about four or five days. So you get an idea of um, you know the different things that you need to, to prepare and get done uh, before a race. And then at the race expo, uh, the day before the race, we have our Hillary Biscay interview, which is super cool. And then we have a little bit of audio the morning of the race. Had a little drama happen then that you don't want to miss. And then um, after that, I have a detailed race recap from uh, pre-swim to this, what happened exactly through the swim and the transition to the bike and then detailed information on the bike and how that went. That was a dramatic bike course and then a... Uh, detailed description of what I did on the run that there's one piece in there that I can't believe people don't do and I was the only person doing it and it very much majorly helped me get a good placing in the race a very good placing so all right so let's get going okay I got 10th in my age group and my age group was huge 351 guys in the 40 to 44 men's age group they had to break it up into two waves and to think that I got 10th out of that is unbelievable and it is a huge huge verification that polarized training works and it works really really well hardly anybody passed me after I got out of the swim and I had a great swim I looked at my watch as I got out and um, on the swim, I only got passed, or on the bike, I only got passed by a couple people, and then on the run, only a, a couple or a few more people. I couldn't believe it to get 10th in my age group, and especially because this was a challenging challenging course that's more suited for lightweight people, and um, I'm lean, but I'm 180-something pounds, <laughs> so uh, when it goes uphill, the smaller guys would, would pass me. And um, I'd have trouble keeping up with them. And to compare this result, that uh, 10th in my age group, 
um, one, the last flat race that I did was Galveston, and I got 22nd in my age group at this distance. And um, to move up from 22nd to 10th is a huge jump because the uh, front of the pack, it gets really competitive, and it's hard to uh, move up uh, because these guys are so good. And I feel honored to be up there with them in that 10th spot, top 10 is uh, really amazing. That's always, uh, if you do top 10 in your age group in anything, <laughs> you're, uh, it's, you should feel proud of yourself. It's, it's a huge accomplishment. Okay, and this is also uh, validation, yeah, that polarized training works. I actually trained in a way less for this and shorter for this than ever, than any race ever before, and I mixed in a lot more rest than ever before. And I had by far my best results. So we're going to talk about that, uh, how polarized uh, helped and the effects it had during the race. And also you can listen to the previous show about how to actually do polarized training. And uh, you'll find that that uh, may explain a lot of it for you. And of course, I'm always around. So Then this is, I wanted to mention that this result, 10th in my age group, this I am not, I didn't start off in triathlon as a 10th and age group kind of guy. I started off as a very much in the back of the pack, just barely surviving a half Ironman. So this is uh, proof that if you train right and stick with it, that you can uh, move up to the front and the guys in the front are not, the guys and the girls in the front are not superhuman or um, genetically gifted or anything like that. Um, they're just training right. And some of them are doing it by accident and some of them are doing it by purpose, but that's how you get there. And so there's hope at, at the, uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's an amazing feeling to be up at the front. And it really, especially if you came from the back, like I have, <laughs> and it's worth it. It's so worth it. And, um, for example, my first ever half Ironman was, uh, Lubbock and, I averaged, the swim was about the same as this swim. Um, I haven't gotten any faster or slower on the swim. But the uh, the bike, I was several miles per hour slower. And then on the run, um, I ran out of transition area about 100 feet. And then I had to start walking. And I couldn't believe it that I was that decimated that quickly by, this, by a half Ironman distance race. And um, for several years, it was my goal just to run an entire half Ironman run without having to walk. I do walk the parts of the runs now, but it's on purpose to uh, like walk through the aid station. Or if there's a steep hill, which we'll get to in a minute, um, I'll walk it because it's a strategy thing that actually helps you run the entire race faster. Okay. But anyways, you can do this too. Now, I also want to mention at the Austin race, the... <laughs> You'll hear later on in the profile while I'm talking about how excited I am that it looks like a flattish race. The hill profile for Austin is a big bag of lies. It's all lies. On the bike elevation, it says 846 feet of gain. It is not. It is about double or more than double of that at 1,950 feet of elevation gain. I was wearing my Sunto Ambit 2, which has an altimeter in it, and it records all this. 1,950 feet of elevation gain, which isn't bad, um, but it's it's a lot more than what they, they posted, so it was a bit of a surprise. And then on the run, they claim 177 feet. Um, no, it's not. It's 730 feet of elevation gain which is some uh, pretty good rolling hills. Um, there's just a few 
a little bit of flat ground. So, um, but with the polarized training, uh, the bike hills are not a problem because you train intervals, so you can just go up and over them. And by the time it gets hard at the top, uh, it's over, <laughs> and then you get to coast down the other side. And uh, so definitely the interval training uh, helped out with that a lot. And I didn't do much interval training on the run. I was just trying to do interval training on the bike. So um, the run hills did get to me a little bit, but by that time the race was almost over anyway, so it was okay. Um, again, the uh, my age group was so huge, 351 uh, guys registered. I don't know how many actually I finished the race. And the um, they had to break up my age group into two waves. It was so big. And so when I was uh, about to start the race, I told Emily to, to uh, yell at me. Um, it's really mostly to keep her busy. <laughs> to keep her entertained, not busy, so that she'd have fun. Um, the uh, What place I'm in? Well, with two waves, it's actually uh, pretty hard to do that. So, so after a while into the race, she kind of gave up on that. And I kind of gave up on trying to keep track of exactly who was how many people were in front of me and stuff. Also, I was, like I said, I was wearing the Sunto Ambit 2. It records the whole thing as a workout or, you know, as a triathlon, as a race. So that'll be posted on my blog, the workout file that you can scroll through and you can hit buttons on it and stuff and see elevation and heart rate and all that stuff and speed and all that good fun. After the race, I hung out with uh, two of the fastest guys in my age group, the guy that got second and the guy that got fifth, and we hung out and drank beer. So that'll be uh, fun to um, talk about at the end of the show when I do the full recap, the detailed recap. Um, I have uh, interesting things to say about hanging out with them uh, and what that was like. With You want to hang out with people that have what you want <laughs> because you'll end up figuring it out, how to be more like them and get the result that you want. And uh, I was asking them all kinds of questions. It was pretty cool. And uh, again... I want to emphasize that polarized training really works um, after years of training uh, higher volume and battling symptoms of being overtrained and trying not to get overtrained and thinking that volume was the cure. Turns out it's not. Um, volume is good, but it's not the entire solution. It's only part of it. And you can bring the volume down a little bit if you focus on intensity kind of here and there, and you have to do it strategically. And let's see, you can only get so fit, like uh, volume and uh, distance wise. Uh, and your heart rate is a really good indicator. If you get up in the morning and you've got a really low resting heart rate, like, like in the 40s, and um, you go out and exercise and you can run or bike at a good clip and your heart rate doesn't jump up all crazy, it's kind of low, like in the uh, 120s to 130s uh, with exercise then um, that's a really good indicator that um, you're pretty much aerobically fit. And the, the next thing, or work in parallel at the same time, is getting strong so that you're able to go a long time without falling apart. And that's different. And uh, for volume, all you really need is the occasional long workout to validate your pacing, your nutrition, and your bike fit so that uh, you know that things aren't going to start hurting, uh, like your lower back and your shoulders, stuff like that. Um, that's really the whole value in the long, long workouts. And beyond that, I think that they kind of wear you out too much. The things that do wear you out in a race, like hills and having to pass people because of drafting and such, if you do uh, polarized training and intervals, they have nearly no effect on you, 
when uh, you have to do them during the race, and with just the tiniest bit of recovery, you can actually, um, like, you know, like coasting just for a, a minute. You climb a monster hill, just coast just a minute, like downhill on the other side. Or uh, if you run up a hill, well, then jogging down the hill easily on the other side. That little bit of rest, the next thing you know, you recover just fine. And, and that hard effort you just gave had almost no effect on you whatsoever because you've been doing intervals and you're strong. And then also uh, listen to podcasts about triathlon, about uh, training interviews with pros, shows like this one, uh, Tawny Show, uh, I Am Talk, and um, with established coaches that are doing established traditional training. The stuff really does work. And uh, these podcasts can uh, clue you in to some awesome people and doing awesome stuff. And it's you want to surround yourself by people, like I said earlier, that are uh, they're having success and um, no magic tricks, <laughs> or as one guy said, no magic beans, and also uh, dose in some rest. And uh, then you can actually start, keep on moving on up and then get faster and faster. And last thing before we get into uh, the regular recording is um, the Iron Baby is next. It's on November 9th. And that's a full distance Ironman that I do for charity. If you want to do one on your own, any kind of triathlon or any kind of distance event, self-supported, let me know by email, texafornia at gmail.com, T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A at gmail.com. And we'll post a link to what you're doing on the blog at zentriathlon.com on the, on the big website. And then uh, other people can follow you as well. You don't have to do it exactly that weekend. You can do it, you know, weekend before, weekend after, whatever you want. But just kind of around the same time. And because uh, if you get inspired by what we're doing, doing a self-supported Ironman, then you can let us know. And then we got kind of a worldwide thing going. Because I get lots of emails from people that are uh, in the UK, Germany, New Zealand, uh, Australia, Japan, uh, that want to do... Uh, something self-supported, and uh, have some fun with it. And it's called the Iron Baby. That's how you do it. It's just too inconvenient to come all the way to Texas <laughs> for a race. And uh, But they want to participate. So that's what we're going to do. I'm really excited about that. I was talking about that with Triboomer yesterday on the phone. And we were like, yeah, that's really cool. What we might do is cut out race numbers and send them to people. We're going to start doing that this year, I think. So we actually have race numbers. And uh, even though we're racing all over the world, you got a race number. It's pretty neat. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the show. Like I said, it's the few days leading up to the race, details on what I'm doing, how I'm prepping my bike, how I'm prepping my food, uh, everything I'm getting uh, ready to do, and all the drama. I had to get bike work done. Oh, God. And then <laughs> it's like dental work. And then um, interview with Hillary, and then a little bit of pre-race, and then uh, race details. All right, let's get started. Here we go. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with the build-up to the Austin 70.3, also known as the Longhorn, down here in Texas. <laughs> and we're going to do the build-up to the race and how I'm tapering for it and what I've done and how I'm preparing for the race. And then we'll, we'll cover the race. And if you want to know the result, I don't know the result yet, then because uh, it's... Thursday and the race is on Sunday going to be on Sunday you can hear the well hold on a second <laughs> this 
high school band playing in the background. It's kind of got me going crazy. The uh, Follow me on Twitter, zentriathlon.com. And zentriathlon.com? Well, that's the webpage. Follow me on Twitter, at zentriathlon. And you can see how I did. Look into the future, man. All right, we are in the Zentri Mobile Studios, the Nissan Xterra. Just put the swimsuit in the roof box on top. Let me double check. Did I close it? Yep, and the towel. It'll dry off. Just did a nice swim and just missed the rain, too. I like swimming in the rain. And came out of the locker room after showering up and, and it's raining. And I was like, dang it. Anyway, let's see. Uh, building up to the race. Um, starting to taper off the workouts and um, the last hard workout is a swim which was this morning on Thursday because you recover pretty quickly from swimming so six intervals of hard about 125 meters of hard mixed in uh, about one of those every 10 minutes and then um, yesterday so Wednesday the Wednesday before the race was my last hard bike ride. Did pretty much the same thing. Six hard intervals on the trainer and was a little bummed because my power meter wasn't, it was connecting, but it wasn't reading off any numbers. And oh, I need to get out an Amrita bar. So we're going to, we're going to have a shout out to some sponsors here because we are sponsored by some good nutrition stuff and I'm about to use it. And um, talked yesterday to Hillary Biscay on Twitter, and she won Ultraman last year. She almost beat all the guys, too. And um, she's a big deal. And she has um, Smash Fest Queen is her line. Or maybe it's Smash, or maybe it's Smash Fest. But it's all, it's all co-branded kind of stuff. And that's her line of triathlon training uh, clothes, mostly for women. But I think it's so cool looking. And guys like to hang out with cool chicks. That uh, she's made some guy stuff too. Um, hold on, I'm gonna open up an Amrita bar. <laughs> it's gonna be a sponsor moment, and we're gonna talk a little bit about um, what I'm doing, technique-wise, and and stuff uh, for leading up to the race. As far as research on the race course and stuff. Hold on. All right. Oh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted an Amrita recovery bar. Oh, there we go post-workout, so I'm having an Amrita recovery bar. We'll get to it in a second. But I gotta open it up. Alright, there we go. I'm trying to drive, too. At the same time, I gotta drive to work. Okay. Let's see. First thing you do for a half Ironman is look at the race course, and I had an epiphany yesterday that, uh, or, yeah, I guess it's an epiphany, where I was super stoked and it's that the training I've been doing has been on hillier stuff than the race course. And what I've done is I went and looked at um, my bike workouts that, and my run workouts that, have, um, that were outside. And I use a, a Sunto Ambit, Ambit 2. And it's got an altimeter barometer in it, so it does really it does a really good job of uh, calculating elevation gain and loss. And in a 56 mile bike ride around where I live, 
I'll do an elevation gain of, um, I think it was nearly 1,200 feet. And on the, uh, the bike course for Ironman, uh, for the Austin 70.3 Longhorn, they, um, they claim 800 and something feet. So I've got about uh, 300 more feet of elevation gain in my training over that same distance. So basically what I'm saying is you train harder than the race and then the race seems easy and you're able to really lay it on the line. Lay it all out there. And then on a run, um, I'll get, what was it? Um, I think they're saying it's going to be about, let's say it's about 200 feet of elevation gain on the run and I get about 250, 300 on the same, uh, on the same run course. Uh, my running around my house. Now that's not by accident. On purpose, I pick out hills and ride them uh, to try to get the hilliest stuff I can around here. College Station is not famous for being really hilly, but if you work at if you work at it, you can go out and find hills and uh, uh, do your bike and run routes. So they tend to go over uh, the biggest stuff that you can find. And then um, also, I've been looking at the bike course. Uh, there's a map with a PDF of the, um, uh, there's the hill profile and then, which is a sideways look at the course. And then there's also the water stops, um, on a map. And what we're going to do is we're going to drive the course on Saturday and, and we might take you along with us on that for the audio of that. And then, what I'm trying to think. Not of what we're doing, but I'm trying to think of Amrita Bars, Amrita Health, Nutrition, Amrita Health. God, what is the uh, website? We'll get it in a second. But, because um, this Amrita Bar is so good. I need to drink a water, too. Oh, where'd I put my water bottle? Oh, there it is. Hold on. This is a real podcast about real training. So we actually really eat and we really drink. Zentri is not a podcast where we sit in the studio and talk about what what could be done. We actually do it. Okay. Then, oh, uh, on my bottle, I've got one of these um, X-Lab torpedo bottles, which is this long uh, bottle that goes between the bars, between your arms. It's called a BTA, between the arms bottle. Uh, it's pretty aerodynamic. Um, it's got, I noticed... Uh, looking at a slow twitch profile of one of the female pros bikes that she had inspirational stuff written on that bottle and marker. And I thought, heck on that bottle is where I ought to put my, uh, hill profile. And cause the more, the more familiar you are with the course, the better you apply yourself in the right places. You don't burn up on a hill only find out there's another hill later. <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, you pee on the bike on long races. Uh, so a half Ironman would definitely qualify for that. And, um, but you have to pee on a downhill or you should pee on a downhill. And so where's the downhills, right? So if you're like, Oh, I need to pee. I need to pee. I'll hold out for the next downhill. You can look at your bike computer and your, um, and then your hill profile and see, um, how close you are to the next long downhill as well. 
So what I'm thinking of doing is doing packing tape. I don't know what it's a uh, masking tape. I don't know. It's the kind of light, light, light brown, uh, light tan uh, tape. It's kind of papery. I'm thinking about putting some of that on my um, arrow bottle uh, lengthwise and then drawing the hill profile on it and then putting marks on it for, you know, like every 10 miles. And then um, also putting a water droplet mark for where the, um, the uh, water pickups are going to be. And then all I got to do is look down between my arms and then I know uh, what's happening. Uh, I look at my bike computer to see where I am. And then I look at my uh, hill profile chart that's uh, drawn on my uh, aero bottle. And then after this race, uh, and then I know where I'm at and what I can do and what I should do. And then um, after the race is over, I just peel it off and... I'm back to a clean bottle again. I don't have to worry about it. Um, I've crap drawn all over my bottle itself. All right. The thing is, is will that stick <laughs> to a bottle? And uh, I do not know, and we will find out. Um, I'll play around with some stuff. Okay, so uh, during this morning's swim, um, did a little bit of, uh, did a packet of Hornet juice. I've been doing that every once in a while. And... Uh, so we're doing a mix of Amrita bars, Hornet juice, uh, as far as nutrition goes. I'm trying to think if I've been using anything else. Um, so Amrita Health. Oh, we're going to look at the wrapper once I park the car here. But um, Hornet juice. So you can go to the right side of zentriathlon.com. Zentriathlon.com. And there are packets of Hornet juice over there. Um, you can order, you know, like four or 10 or whatever. The stuff is, uh, it's only 60 calories, but it's, um, a protein amino acid powder mix and, um, holy crap, does it turn on fat burning? So, um, you can take it before or during a workout and, uh, one packet lasts like an hour and a half. That's their recommended dosage. So what I did was a water bottle, um, like a 20 ounce, 24 ounce water bottle and I dumped in one of a single serving of Gatorade powder and then a scoop of maltodextrin powder. So it's like Carbo Pro kind of stuff and a packet of Hornet juice. And that made professional grade uh, fuel for this workout for an hour swim. And I uh, started sipping on it as uh, in my warm up of the swim, just kept it on the uh, side of the pool. And then as. Um, I would crank out an interval um, while I'm uh, either walking a, a lap of the pool or I'm standing by the side, uh, waist deep, take a glug of that, and then, um, man, I had just killer freaking intervals, like really, really good, <laughs> and um, with the protein powder, that Hornet juice mixed in, you're, you're making your workout better and you're also starting to contribute to your recovery by mixing in some protein uh, with your workout. And um, by the end of the workout, I'd finished the whole thing. I feel freaking amazing. And like we talked about on the last podcast, um, fuel your workouts really, really well. And then as you get away from your workouts time-wise, start switching over to like really healthy foods. So, um, you know, uh, at work... I'm going to be drinking, you know, like a green smoothie and, uh, uh, I've got, 
yeah, some help. I got some salmon and, and veggies and stuff like that. But, you know, during the workout, Hornet juice, uh, Gatorade, stuff like that. So anyway, you can get uh, Hornet juice on the right side of the page and it helps me out. Um, it goes towards supporting the show, which is really cool. Um, and Hornet juice is made from <laughs> Japanese killer wasp. No crap, I swear. It's made from Japanese killer wasp uh, amino acid profile. It's uh, the fastest, longest flying, most endurance bug out there. So they sat down and figured out how does it do it? Well, it metabolizes body fat with a certain amino acid profile, um, a certain mix of amino acids. So they went into a lab and uh, recombined uh the synthetic version of the same stuff because I don't know if you want to be licking wasps, you know, that might be dangerous. You could get a uh, swollen tongue from that. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so people put it to use and they're like, holy crap, this works. It metabolizes body fat and I just seem to be running on diesel power and having great workouts and better recoveries. And I've been using it for years and it's fantastic. So, um, and it helps support the shows in triathlon.com Hornet juice on the right hand side, scroll down the whole list of sponsors down there. Um, you get a personal email from me of, um, Hey, how's it going? Your Hornet juice is on its way and you help support the show and you help support this, uh, expensive bike habit that this, that triathlon requires. I just went to the bike shop. We'll deal detail that next, but I just went to the bike shop and, uh, I thought I was going in there for, it's like going to the dentist. I thought I was going in for maybe $20 worth of work because I had a brake cable that was sticking and I uh, got a phone call. I got several phone calls from the bike shop. This is not good. Yeah, we got your, we got your bike up on the stand and your headset bearings are completely shot, the, the lower headset bearings. There's no grease in there and it's dry and gritty. And I was like, oh my God. And, um, and while I was there, I said, uh, yeah, could you, um, check the chain with your chain tool to see if it's stretched? Um, because now would be a good time to put on a chain and they go, yeah, oh yeah, it's uh, really stretched. So yeah, you do need a new chain. And I'm like, okay, throw one of those on there. And then, uh, the, another phone call later. Yeah. Uh, we put your new chain on and there's a problem. <laughs> it will not mate up with your rear cog set. It, your rear cassette, it's, it's, uh, you've worn that thing down where a chain won't mate with it and it just skips around. A new chain won't. Your old chain did. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, so new chain and now a new cassette. Uh, what's on there? They go, oh, Dura-Ace. I'm like, holy shit. How much is that going to cost? Oh, it's like $300 or something. I'm like, okay, what about, I looked it up. Ultegra looks like it's, uh, I looked it up online, you know, 80, 90, 100 bucks. What about that? And they're like, yeah. Okay. So then a phone call a little while later. Yeah. Your bike's a 10 speed and we only have Ultegra at, uh, at 11 speed. So we're gonna have to order it and that'll be like a week. And so I'm like, if you order it and it's a week, then I won't have my bike back. I'll have a bike with a skipping chain, uh, for a race. Um, and I go, where's the old chain? They go, we threw it away. <laughs> so I'm like, oh crap. Um, well, what do you have? And they're like 105. And, uh, I'm like, oh man, the weight difference between 105 and what was on there and triathlon, triathlon, triathlon bikes aren't that light to begin with. It's like, oh 
geez, this is all like uh, two days ago. And I'm like, um, I, I guess I have to go with the 105. And they're like, yeah, that's another 60 bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. So anyway, after I'm trying to think what else I had to have done. And uh, I got out of there uh, finally at $209 to get my bike into uh, some sort of condition to be working for the race. And uh, yeah, so Hornet Juice helps pay for that. <laughs> um, and uh, Hornet Juice, you get a, uh, when, it, when it shows up, which is pretty cool because it's got, it's got postage all over. It's got stamps from New Zealand, which is really neat. That's where it actually comes from. It's pretty neat. All right, I got to go into work, maybe grab some uh, scrambled eggs. It's, uh, it's Taco Thursday, breakfast Taco Thursday. I hope somebody brought some in. And uh, we'll be back in a minute. Out. Bang. Oh, just as I was getting off the mic here, um, I was looking at the wrapper for Amrita Bars. AmritaHealthFoods.com. And you get 15% off with a uh, discount code of ZEN, all caps. 15% off. And I'm eating the uh, chocolate maca, which is good for, it's the recovery bar. And um, they've got it labeled. There's prepare, perform, or recover. And since I just swam my ass off, um, it's a good recovery bar. I ate about half of it. Um, because we got breakfast, like I said, which I need to go to. Out, bang. All right, we're back. We got more race prep stuff. Uh, one, I'm listening to the interview with Ben Hoffman off of uh, off Tawny's Endurance Planet. And um, I'm really liking what he's saying because it's what I've recently figured out is while training, this is the guy that got second place at Kona. And while training, he carbs up and carbs for recovery and then when away from training uh eats as paleo as possible without you know going crazy over it and i'm like that's that is gold so listen to that interview tawny prazak and uh endurance planet but anyway um another thing uh, a good tip something that i'm doing is something that i'm not doing is don't weigh yourself um, at least the four days and even if you can, the week leading up to a race because you will um, sabotage your race by not eating enough. You'll be like, oh, maybe I should weigh a little bit less, you know, and then you'll, you'll skip calories. And then, hold on, I'm trying to jump in front of a car here. You'll skip calories. And then you'll end up uh, being depleted on race day. I think that might be one of the major causes of when athletes, you, you hear an interview with a pro or you know whatever, and they're like, I don't know, I just had an off day. I bet that's what it is. I bet you that's a major source of that, is trying to watch weight going into a race. Because I've done that many, 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 many times. And holy crap, does it really affect how you feel on race day you feel flat and you hear that or they're like I don't know I just felt flat that's probably what it is so don't weigh yourself the uh, at least four days going into the race try the whole week and you will be properly fueled if you gain a couple pounds that that doesn't matter at all it really doesn't okay um, then what was the other thing oh okay so I've been working on my bike and getting it ready last night I started working on the tires. Um, you get a nice speed boost from new tires. 
and it was time to put new tires on my bike anyway. So I put uh, a Continental uh, Grand Prix GP4000 uh, S's, 2, 2 S, GP4000 2, Roman numeral 2 S, are rated probably the best triathlon tires out there because they got decent flat protection and also they're crazy fast. And they're, they're nice. They're handmade in Germany. It says stamped on the side. So it's got to be true. And um, a new set of tires. Check this out. A new set of tires. The rubber is got such great um, rolling uh, smoothness that it's as good. Uh, riding new tires versus riding old tires is like riding uh, deep dish aero rims versus not. That's how big of a difference it makes, they say. They say. And, oh, so buy 4,000, uh, buy, uh, I bought new tires, and then they've been sitting on my couch in the, uh, in the other room uh, for a couple of weeks. And I put the front one on last night, and then tonight I'll put the uh, rear one on. I try to balance out the workload, not try to do too much at once. It's like it, uh, wound up and then I'll forget to do things like coach <laughs> or or hornet juice orders and uh, so last night was nice I just did the front and it was so nice working on a tire and uh, putting the tube back in uh, with talcum powder and getting my hands dirty and working on something physical and uh, I work on computers all the time I'm not a ditch digger or anything like that or a fence builder so I don't get the opportunity to uh, work with my hands very much and it's very therapeutic it felt really nice working with my hands on something and it gave me the idea like man I should do more if I want to work with my hands on something work on my bike you know or I used to make um old listeners of the show I used to do uh, bamboo stuff and I know how to work with bamboo as far as tempering it to uh, make pretty stuff with it oh that was so much fun when I used to do that um that's a lot of hand work a lot of analog anti-digital and the other thing if you want to go faster, is latex tubes. So if you do the Continental uh, clincher tires and you put latex tubes in them, it's pretty much the equivalent of doing uh, tubeless um, uh, glue-on sew-up tires. And, uh, and those are faster, but this, this pretty much does the job and then they're easier. To, they, uh, they feel fantastic when you ride, ride on the road, latex tubes. Um, so most uh, tubes that you're used to seeing are black, and that's butyl, B-U-T-Y-L probably. And the uh, latex, if you get them from Vittoria, or Vittoria they're uh, pink tubes, and um, they probably come in green and some other colors. not sure why they come in different colors. But um, they are crazy. Like you stretch them, and they just stretch like all over the place. They're basically the same stuff that a condom is made out of. So they're real stretchy, and, and um, so what that does is when you go over the tiniest, tiniest bumps that you can't even see, they, um, they flex just right, and they cause less resistance. So, and so when you're riding, um, it's kind of like the difference between a crappy frame and a, and a nice, like, titanium frame. Uh, the way the road feels is just amazing, so... Um, latex tubes for him <laughs> or her I don't know but the uh, the combination of those tubes 
and new tires, um, it's probably worth about a mile per hour, I bet. I bet. Maybe more. Uh, but anyway, let's say it's a mile per hour. That's, that's significant. Um, let's say it's even half a mile per hour. That's still very, very important. Um, and the thing is, is about a week out from the race, start doing all this stuff. And that's what I've been doing. And my power meter, when it came back from the bike shop, battery was dead. That bike shop's like the Bermuda Triangle for my power meter. I'm not sure why it always goes dead every time I get it back from them. So um, instead of replacing the battery in it, I've uh, pulled the battery out and put it back in. And then all of a sudden, it started picking up wattage again. So tonight... I need to actually ride it around outside and make sure that it's actually working because if you're riding the power meter inside, um, electronics that are wireless bounce signals out into the void and um, if you're in a closed room, those signals bounce off of things and back towards the device and it's easier for the device to pick them up even though the signal's weak because the battery's about to die. So the place to test it is actually outdoors and ride it around and try it several times and make sure that that head unit uh, or your watch can pick up the uh, signal when there's uh, when it's trying. The signal has got nothing but uh, blue sky and maybe the ground at best. And it's trying. it has to go around your body. Um, in the case of my power tap, it's got to go... Um, there's stuff blocking the line of sight uh, to my um, to my watch or uh, bike computer, and it it doesn't um, the signal needs to be strong enough to do that, which means it might need a fresh battery. And I got man, maybe I should just put a fresh battery in there and just quit worrying about it. But oh, I got a voltmeter and I tested the battery and it was plenty strong. So um, that's how you tell. I got one of those years ago, and it's so handy to have a voltmeter around. You pull out a battery, test it, and you're like, yep. Not good enough. Throw a new battery in. Test the new battery before you put it in. Make sure it's nice and strong. And uh, it's just, you know, those little needle things, the black and the red ones, and, and uh, it's a piece of cake. All right. Um, more in a bit. Out. Bang. All right. I'm at the house, and actually I have an email that I should read. A donation. Uh, actually, a Hornet Juice order, of all things. Just kind of ironic, since that's what we've been talking about. And what I'm trying to do this episode is try to weave in the sponsor stuff as we go along. Seems like a lot up front, though. <laughs> Maybe I should time it a little bit better. But anyway, let's go to this email. Okay. It says, Scott C. Let's see. Thanks for the Hornet Juice shipment back in July. It seriously helped the power through the summer training. Hey, cool. Um, I only kind of half read them before I really read them. That way I, I get actual true reactions. Okay, uh, my reactions. I'm a beginning triathlete. This summer was my second season, and I squeezed in two sprints, one Olympic, and a fun relay called the Traverse Mountain Bike. Uh, Road bike, kayak, run. Oh, called the Traverse Mountain Bike, road bike, kayak, and then run. That was all on top of welcoming... Our third son into the world in May. Congratulations. And starting a new job in June. My new job involves a long commute. Uh, I'm sorry about that, dude. Um, one hour each way. And Zentry and Endurance Planet podcasts have really helped keep me motivated and inspired 
despite being, despite many hours sitting on my butt in a car. You're right, by the way. Tawny's Week of Kona podcast were great. Go check those out, Endurance Planet, the Week of Kona. It's nuts. Okay, uh, so a question and a completely random fact about the giant Japanese hornets that Hornet Juice is based on. I'm glad y'all Google this stuff. It's pretty fascinating. Anyway, um, what helps you stay motivated in the out season? Uh, here in Olympia, Washington, it gets wet, cold, and miserable. And I frequently find myself searching for motivation to go to the gym in the dark. Any advice or pearls of wisdom from your trainees on what kind of goal setting, visualization, etc., are most effective at helping busy age groupers make time for fitness during the cold, dark, short days. Okay, this is what you do. One, uh, sports are seasonal, so you find a sport that is good in Olympia, Washington in the winter, and I bet a million bucks that you can do cyclocross out there. And if you do cyclocross, it will make you the most awesome cyclist that you could ever, ever possibly be. It is based on cold, wet, nasty conditions. And it is the most fun I've ever seen people ever have on bikes. And it's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun. And... Um, aside from that, um, uh, from Olympia, I don't know, is there snow skiing or something like that? But anyway, okay, so this is what works, uh, or, or, uh, trail running, ultra running in the uh, winter is good too, because you can do it and, um, it keeps you warm running and, uh, you're in the woods, so it's not as windy and stuff. So it's kind of nice. You go up and down and up and down a lot of ultra running stuff in the winter months. Okay. But aside from that, uh, because you can find something else. But the thing is, is to sign up for and physically sign up. Do not wait <laughs> because you'll put it off. Sign up for a race that is a few months out. And so in, over the winter, uh, sign up for something, you know, that's in February or March. Something that is challenging, that kind of scares you a little bit. That will keep your ass going to the gym. Works for me. Um, one, I was talking to a friend about it this morning at the pool that um, if I don't have something um, to go do in the next few months, I will not train. And um, the more intimidating the thing is, the more I train. And the fact that it's a few months off means I take the training kind of half seriously. I just kind of stay on top of it. And then what you do is you visualize um, the race. And what's going on? You watch videos and stuff like that um, of that race, and that will get you pumped up for that event. And you think about how you're getting in all this training in um, early, and um, then that now you can take your time and uh, get better and better and better. And do like what I've been uh, saying on this podcast is do metrics and figure out the timing and the spacing um, of interval work so that you can... Um, uh, make it grow and improve um, um, nearly every time you go work out. And um, that takes spacing and a lot of time, And um, but the results are amazing. And um, to do that, you need a uh, winter. So um, there's a saying that triathlon is a winter sport that plays out in summer. 
So the really, really top-end people aren't messing around in the winter. You take off some time, but then after you take off some time, you get back on it because you're going to see those results in the summer. And um, another thing is I've been posting videos of um, that are really good to use while you're on the trainer. I've been posting them on the blog at zentriathlon.com. The one I posted just today was an ITU um, Olympic distance race in the south of France, and it's it's probably in Nice or something like that, and it's along the water, and it is an equalizer format where the girls go first, the pro girls go, and then the pro guys go, uh, and they've decided based on last year's results, they decide how much lead time to give the girls. <laughs> It's crazy. It's so primal. These girls, you know, running and these boys chasing them. And it's just like dating. It's really funny. And um, they are, it's like they're, they're, they're running for their lives, biking for their lives, but they're like, uh, they're, uh, they're procreation lives. It's pretty funny. I, I swear it's really good stuff. So anyway, if you go to my blog and that one's got a tag of um, trainer videos. If you hit that tag, there's probably six or seven trainer videos that I've posted that are pretty good with a short description of um, of ones that uh, of what to look for in the trainer video because it's kind of cool. Um, but things that stood out to me um, with those videos that'll give you an idea of more videos to uh, look for on YouTube, and then you set up uh, YouTube. Um, what you do is you you poke around YouTube. You find videos that are about an hour plus, at least at least forty five minutes, and oh, at least thirty minutes, and then um, you find videos. Don't watch them. Um, add them on YouTube. There's a uh, watch later button. It looks like a little stopwatch or a clock. You click that, and it puts it into this queue. And then when you get on the trainer, you have several hours worth of, um, or, or on the treadmill, you have several hours worth of videos. Um, uh, in line, and you watch them. Uh, one when one ends, the other one picks right up, and it's really motivational. And I like watching triathlon videos more than anything. Cycling's pretty good. Cycling gets a little bit boring. Uh, cyclocross is really really good. And it seems like over the past few years that more and more races are getting put on YouTube. And so you can search um, uh, twenty fourteen. Uh, full the word f u l l that'll give you longer resorts. You can sort your your uh, results by um, by length, and then pick the longest ones and put them in there because there'll be like really short ones, and those are kind of just they're not disturbing, they're jarring. You know, it's like really short and then something else. It's really short and something else. It doesn't really allow you to do anything. And then what you do is you turn off the audio and you put on uh, heavy metal music. Is <laughs> well, I, you put on fast paced music. I like heavy metal music, and what I do is I put on the music um, about half an hour before I need to get on the trainer or on the treadmill, and and also, when I got a trainer, um, which doesn't cost all that much at all, and a, and a treadmill is actually pretty cheap too, it's uh, say 400 bucks or something like that, uh, when I got those, uh, and we, put, we decided to convert our guest room... Um, we took the bed out and put it in a fold-out couch instead so that it there's a bed. Basically, the couch can turn into a bed if we, if we want it to. 
Um, but the rest of the time we fold it up so it doesn't take up as much room. And instead, the floor space is taken up with a treadmill and a uh, bike trainer. And with, uh, with those two devices in there, my triathlon results just skyrocketed because now I didn't have to um, go train outside when it was pouring rain or uh, nasty outside. I could train inside. And um, you can train for an hour inside, like, no problem. It's not that bad. And um, oh God, one time I did, um, it was either four or five hours or something like that on rollers. I know I did at least three as a, as a contest, I think, with Christine. Um, <laughs> so imagine five hours on rollers just with a, a break, like, to go pee and to get back on. So, like, a one-minute break or maybe a two-minute break every hour or something like that. Um, Anyway, so again, sign up for stuff that's in the future by a few months, stuff that uh, you're excited about that's going to challenge you. So you're a little bit scared. So, you you know, like if you're used to running um, half marathons, sign up for a marathon. If you're used to running road stuff, sign up for a trail run race that's kind of long. Um, If... uh, if you're worried about, uh, yeah, well, there's all kinds of things you could be worried about. Sign up for something. There's all this stuff online. Go to competehub.com and find something that uh, motivates you. Make it early season. And then uh, start using videos. And the better, the more you search for YouTube videos, the better you get at finding them and then creating a queue. And if you haven't seen one in a long time, you know, you can watch it again. And, um, and then the music. Um, if I'm listening to a podcast with a guy that's just talking like this, like Bueller, 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 I am, I've found, I got to turn that crap off and I've got to either listen to a really upbeat podcast about positive stuff or I, um, like I said, I, I have a Pandora music channel that I've made up that plays, uh, Pantera. Um, Alice in Chains, Metallica, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, um, uh, Corrosion of Conformity, and stuff like that, and uh, uh, Godsmack, and that stuff is heavy, and it's hard, and it's fast, and it's music that I really, really like, and um, it gets me pumped up, right? So I find after, you know, after lis- while listening to that, um, and I'm kind of getting... I find that it's hard to sit still. And you know what I start doing? I start getting my stuff together to get on the trainer, you know? And also, if you're using metrics on the trainer and you're doing intervals um, and on the treadmill, um, if you're using metrics, you, you, if, again, if you space out your workouts correctly and aim for improvement each time and, and if you don't improve, then you incorporate more rest or you start thinking about like, was I going too hard or doing too many intervals or for too long? Um, uh, you, it gets exciting to see what can you do next time on the trainer, right? So my peak, kind of by freak accident, was uh, 550-something watts on the trainer the uh, one time during an interval a couple weeks ago. And um, oh, I can't wait to uh, try and hit that again, right? So what do I got to do to hit 550 watts on an interval on that trainer again? How am I going to do that, you know? That's probably how I stretch the crap out of my chain. <laughs> Bike can only take so much. Um, but uh, with these metrics, you have a goal, you know? And um, yeah, so anyway, there's that. Okay, so also, that was plenty of things to work with, I think. And the other one is, 
Uh, number two, check out this crazy story. It's a video uh, about honeybees. These are Japanese honeybees defending themselves against giant Japanese wasps. Yeah, so the, the, the stuff that Hornet Juice is based on, these are the wasps. I went and watched this video. This is really cool. So um, the uh, wasps will attack. Uh, they'll send a scout in first to check out a hive, and the scout comes back and goes, yeah, this is a good hive. So the scout goes in, and these uh, honeybees, Japanese honeybees, um, pretend like um, that they're cool with this giant freaking wasp walking around. And uh, the wasp is kind of checking things out. And then all of a sudden, within a millionth of a second, they all jump the wasp and swarm it so the wasp can't fly off. And, uh, you know, just sheer numbers on this wasp. And this is inside a tree trunk. And they've got a video camera. Uh, it's a National Geographic. They've got a video camera in there so they can... Uh, Wait a minute. Did I do something? Oh wait, there we go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> they've uh, they've um, the recorder didn't look like it was recording. They uh, they jump the wasp, and then they start basically doing the the uh, the honeybee version of jumping jacks. They wiggle really really hard, and that generates body heat. Right. Well, that heat heats up. Uh, the the whole swarm of bees that are on this wasp, and then the um, they said that Japanese honeybees can tolerate 117 degrees of heat, and um, uh, the Japanese killer hornet can only tolerate up to 115 degrees of heat, and so the the bees bring up the heat to to 116, which is one degree higher than the, um, the Japanese killer hornet can, uh, killer wasp can, um, it's a hornet, but, uh, can tolerate and it kills the hornet. Um, they cook it alive by swarming it. And then the hornet never leaves and then never goes and tells the rest of the badass, uh, Japanese hornets that there's a, bee, a honey behind there. It's pretty cool. Huh? All right. So I'll post a link to the video. I'll probably post the video itself on the blog at zentrathlon.com. So go check it out. All right, out. Bang. All right, I'm back. I'm driving to go pick up Kai from soccer practice. I was listening to a Zen podcast while I was working on my rear tire and uh, put the new rear tire on. No. First, I went and rode it around in the street, and it picked up the power, the watts on the power meter um, quickly. And... I was like, all right, it's good to go. And then I uh, was listening to a Zen podcast while working on my bike, uh, taking the rear wheel off, uh, removing the old tire and the butyl tube, and I'm putting in a latex tube and I'm putting the new tire on. It's about halfway on. I need to go pick up Kai. And um, that, that new um, uh, Continental Grand Prix 4000S tire feels so supple. feels nice. And it made me think, actually. Um, I remember watching uh, Tour de France a few years back. They were doing a special on the guy, <laughs> that team track or whoever, uh, probably a lot of the teams, hire to um, store and give them, take care of tires for the race. And they... Uh, they <laughs> shows how old world cycling is and what's going on that you don't even see 
they um, they take the tires and they store them in a cellar under like perfect conditions, whatever it is, it's constant condition conditions, and it cures the the rubber on the tires like wine. It's crazy. So these tires will be several years old, and they're not dry rotted. They're even better than before. <laughs> and uh, they um, this old guy like handles them and like gives them to the racers. Sometimes it's pretty crazy. So there's a lot going on with tires that you may not know about. Um, then that was a few years back, though, about five years ago. So who knows, you know, what the current state of everything is. I may have given up on that. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so I'm listening to the Zen podcast. I'll finally get around to what I was talking about. This is Zen podcast, and the lady giving the talk was saying that. The final thing to work on, the real thing to work on, is listening to yourself. And basically, um, when you pay attention to yourself, to you, then you and your responses to things, then what you can do is, because you're actually paying attention and you're living within yourself and you're paying attention to yourself and not trying to fight the world, you're not evaluating everything else, you're evaluating you and your response to everything else. And then because now you're paying attention, you can say, oh, that um, makes me upset. And so, or that's, that's, a, that's troublesome for me. Or I like that, you know, a type of food or a type of activity or a person uh, that you have to deal with. And because you're paying attention, you can eat, because now you're actually paying attention, you can mentally file away like, more of that would be good for me. And then things that, that aren't ideal, that you have a, um, a poor reaction to, you can either um, say, okay, can I change that thing, right? Or, so like, say it's uh, somebody at work that you don't like, and you're like, can I change that thing? Yeah, um, I can avoid this person and just whatever but let's say it's somebody you can't avoid and they're like antagonistic towards you and you say oh can I work on my reaction to this person or how um, I set up the reaction or the, the interaction with this person and you're like yeah and then you work on yourself and uh, start changing things you're, you're changing you because you can control you you can't control other people and uh, it made me think that uh, the final front. This is this is me. This is my thing. The final front. There's a couple guys on longboards, <laughs> longboard skateboards. Go, dudes! I got one. I love it. I got a sector nine. Um, the uh, the final frontier isn't space. It's you. It's working on you. That's the last. I mean, realistically, for you, that's your final frontier in life. Is working on you and your responses to things. Um, the situations you decide to put yourself into. And it goes deep. It goes really deep. There's so many levels and so many facets of how you can work on you. You think, oh, you know, I can work on my diet. Yeah, you can work on your diet. You can also work on your posture. Your posture affects how other people treat you, right? You can work on your clothing. Your clothing affects on not only how other people treat you, but how you feel about yourself. Dress up real spiffy one day and go to work and watch what happens. Right? You watch how much you get done. And if you're paying attention, like I said earlier, 
paying attention to you, you'll notice that you get more done. I'm watching Kyle out on the soccer field. That you get more done um, when you dress uh, nicer because you, you uh, feel more self-empowered. You feel better about yourself, so you get more stuff done. Right? And you wouldn't know it unless you're actually paying attention. So paying attention to yourself leads to all kinds of great stuff. That's your moment of zen for this podcast. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, we are back in. We have, uh, let's see, it's Friday morning. Uh, No workout last night and no workout this morning. Fully tapering. I might go for a short jog Saturday morning before we leave for Austin just to kind of flush out the legs. But also I'll I'll be on my feet a bunch on Saturday. I'll, I'll try to minimize it, but, you know, uh, walking the bike to the bike check-in and um, getting in and out of the car, looking at the bike course, which will be fun. And let's see, I was listening to uh, the Joe Rogan podcast last night, the interview with um, uh, Allison Aiken, or I, for, I forgot her name, but she's the lady that lives on the north slope of Alaska. And that mentality, I've been to Alaska, just the south side of Alaska, by Anchorage and out into the boonies a bit and the uh, that is the mentality of Alaskans they are the toughest you want to talk about an Iron Man that is the toughest toughest craziest people uh, that just are so matter of fact and you got to listen to it for the insanity of what it's like with living on a compound in a cloth tent with uh, grizzly bears and uh, and pack of wolves I got a pack of wolves was around me about 22 wolves and if a bear comes out of hibernation, um, it's a straight-up killer. And so the other day, I got on the roof of my compound because I heard all this crashing and banging around. And the wolves got themselves a grizzly. And they, they get that grizzly running. He's going to run out of calories. He's gonna, they're going to take him down. So I got up there, spotted at the end of the, of the runway of my compound. <laughs> there's a, there's a, and the compound has no fence, by the way. It, why would it? And at the end of the compound, there's a big bloody spot. That's where the wolves got that got that grizzly. And Joe Rogan's like, "Are you? You're in a cloth tent? Oh yeah, everything's got to be temporary. You got to be able to take it down, put a match to it at a moment's notice because you're just there. You're leasing the land. That's that's the rules. I didn't make the rules. I'm just I'm just going by. <laughs> Whoa, holy crap! I'm no spring chicken. I'm 62 years old. I'm a 62 year old woman. I'm out here. I can't bend to the right and down because of that last bear attack. It got me. You know, it put my put my head in his jaws and no uh, but it was just juvenile you know just playing with me and uh but i had to set the record straight you know i, I ended up having to shoot it and went out and took a gps point <laughs> like, wow you're nuts <laughs> oh but that's the matter of factness you got to have to uh complete a, a long distance triathlon that's the spirit you're tapping into right there it's the human survival spirit okay um what else we got um yeah, I worked on the bike last night. Uh, tires are holding air, so the new tubes I put in and the tires are uh, are good to go. And um, I need to do another power meter check today. Oh, I know another thing. I've been uh, when you got a big race coming up, uh, it's smart to start making lists of things and keep them in one place that you can get to them. So I do a web-based. Uh, piece of software website where I can update it from anywhere that I'm at. So as I think of things, I can keep adding stuff and it's workflowy and it works great. 
Um, it just makes bulleted lists and they're crazy, like how good they are. And, um, the hardest part is it's so open that you got to learn how to, how to use it because there's so few rules. It's, it's the wild west going on there with list making. But anyway, I have a long meeting this morning. It's Friday morning, races on Sunday. So while I'm in the meeting and other people are talking about stuff that doesn't um, affect me directly, you know, your mind starts to wander, go back to the list. But I've been, uh, list of things to take, things to do, mental, mental notes, you know, just stuff. And the, um, if you start making a list early, so early for me is, um, I don't know, like uh, about a week out. And I start working on things about a week out and workflowy because you can make bulleted lists of everything and sub bullets and sub bullets. So my list has days on it. So on Thursday, do this. On uh, Friday, do this. You know, so I space it out. So I have this huge list of stuff and then I can assign it days to do it. And that way it's not too many things in one day. And I can make sure I have time to get stuff done, which is really, really nice. And it works on an iPad. There's a there's an iOS client. I'm sure there's an Android client, and uh, web base, whatever. So I can use an iPad, iPhone, um, computer, laptop, you know, whatever that I'm working on, and make sure I got my list. And you can cross things off, and you can make notes on a list. It's pretty cool. And at the bottom of it, it's it's a little signature line that says "Make lists, not war." <laughs> but anyway, so I'll be. Uh, it's very calming and very relaxing to uh, make lists and double check things. And then, uh, the Zen thing is when you're, when you're pretty sure that a list is of no use to you anymore, delete it, right. Or create a list called archive and you can drag and drop a list into, um, into, um, a, a, you can turn it into a sub list instead in, in the parent list called archive. And it's like, you know what? I'm not sure I'm ever going to use this again. And then there's a search function at the top. So you can be like, Oh, um, what was that thing? Uh, I made a note about, yeah, I actually do have to do that. And you search on it and your list is there. And uh, listing things out um, in free form is a uh, great way to get motivated for the day. So you're not even sure what you, you know, what you want to do. So you start putting down ideas about what you want to do for something. And um, you can drag and drop list items, reorganize them and sub them and parent them and stuff like that. Uh you know, so it's kind of like uh, like thinking in the cloud, and then you can get organized. And as you're getting more and more organized, you get more and more motivated because now you're starting to visualize um, what's going on. And I think that's it. Um, there was an article. Uh, God, where was it posted? Oh, oh, oh! Compete Hub got a little write up. CompeteHub.com sponsor sponsor alert. CompeteHub.com uh, got a little mention on Triathlete Magazine. And it's not a big article. It's little. It's little, but it's like, is this the new Yelp of triathlon, the, or the Yelp of triathlon? It's pretty cool, and it talks about how it works a little bit. So uh, go check it out on triathlon.com, triathlete.com. I should put a link to that on the um, on the uh, in the show notes. Um, but Compete Hub is a sponsor of Zentry, so give them some of your business, man. Use it if you like Zentry. Use some CompeteHub.com, and also. Um, on Twitter, Luke McKenzie tweeted uh, an article that was written up about him, or maybe it was his blog post. It was really well written about, well, either he wrote it or somebody wrote it. I just, I looked at the pictures and uh, was was reading it. And then I noticed something 
And believe me, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody that's literally twice as fast as I am <laughs> and twice as awesome. And also who's been really nice to me and has, has done an interview on the show and stuff. So, uh, but there is this thing where people, uh, and I do it too. So I know, I know where I'm coming from. And I think I mentioned it earlier is in the photos of him racing this year, he looked a little bit too skinny. And remember I was saying that, um, you can get, uh, flat, right? You feel flat. And that's exactly how he, I think that's how he described the race. He said, you know, he still did really good, but he just didn't have the energy or, or wasn't able to keep up or something like that. And so I'm playing through scenarios or scenarios in my mind about what actually happened. And, you know, maybe he had so much success last year, um, by getting lean and, and, uh, doing intensive stuff that maybe he thought, um, do it again this year and then he overdid it possibly i don't know um but that'll do it getting too skinny and brett sutton will comment on that every once in a while um you got to eat in fact he just posted uh, did a big post he said he sees people show up at races and they look too lean too too little body fat and he's like uh that's uh they're probably not going to race all that well because it shows a habit of probably not eating enough and probably training too much or something. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, go check out the article and, and check out the picture. I could I could be totally wrong. In fact, chances are I am. But it's something to think about uh, that this does happen. And don't let it, um, whether it happened to Luke or not, um, it's a thing. So don't let it happen to you. All right, I'll be back. Out, bang. All right, it is a beautiful Saturday morning. And I'm in front, out in front of the Zentri uh, training house. <laughs> it's in, it's in Tri Lodge. But anyway, I've done some, uh, cool stuff that I thought I'd share with you on, uh, that'll help you race. Okay. So the race is tomorrow morning. Last night I, um, took a FedEx envelope, one that's about 11 by 17, maybe a little bit bigger. And with scissors, I cut off, it's a, it's a brand new envelope. And, uh, I cut off the long tab that has adhesive on one side um, and I trimmed it down to the adhesive and uh, that trimmed off the excess so it's just the adhesive and uh, a FedEx package is actually made out of Tyvek which is waterproof material that you can write on and then I took a multicolored pen and I drew the hill profile on this piece of Tyvek paper that now has adhesive backing on the uh, on the back and then I uh, I did the hill profile and mileage of that hill profile and also did uh, blue dots big blue water droplets for where the uh, water stops are and that gave me uh, let me go inside my car here for a second that gave me a nice hill profile um, with adhesive backing and again mileage and water stops with that I uh, taped uh, and I didn't even need to use tape because it has, it has adhesive backing to my uh, arrow water bottle that's now between my arms and using the multicolor so I did the mileage in black you know vertical marks um, and significant miles like the tops of hills uh, and then the bottoms of hills. So it's like, uh, you're going to be working hard, um, 
up until about this point to go uphill, you know, and you'll be able to coast a little bit more going down, you know, from this mile to this mile. All I have to do is look at my bike computer and I know that and, um, uh, quit wondering when there's a water stop coming up, it's coming up at mile, whatever, and you're on mile, whatever. So, um, able to focus on race stuff and, um, because it's on Tyvek, it won't smudge or smear because it's got adhesive on it. It's going to stick to my arrow water bottle between my arms. All I got to do is look down. And uh, then also on my water bottle that I'm putting fuel in, um, it's an arrow bottle. So it's got a weird shape. So it's actually deceiving on the actual size and volume of it. And I poured water in it all the way up to the top. And then I poured the water out into a marked, um, one of these uh, Nalgene uh, liter bottles that has markings for the volume on it. And I poured a quarter, I poured half of it out and then um, marked on the bottle where half is. And then I uh, marked on the bottle where a quarter is and three quarters and stuff like that. And also I marked on the bottle where... um, what that corresponding mileage is for a half Ironman. I did it with permanent marker on the sides of the bottle and the bottle's clear. My arrow bottle is actually clear. So basically I've got a fuel bottle with markings on it of how much to drink up to a certain mile or a certain time. And, um, because I have a problem and a lot of us do with overfueling and, uh, I, sh- the thing is, is on the bike, you shouldn't, um, your bike should be very, very calculated and you should very much stick to plan on the bike. And, uh, if you know yourself, like in my case, my plan is to not do more than a certain amount because, uh, it's a half iron man. And if you do more than a certain amount, then you risk, um, getting sick to your stomach or blowing up, right? The longer the race is, the more the risk of blowing up and you do better to hold back. So with the hill profile between the arms and the markings on the bottle um, of fuel, and you know how many calories are in there, um, and it's the fuel bottle for the entire bike ride, then you can, uh, if you stick to plan, you shouldn't eat too much. Now, um, I could definitely fail at this race because I'm trying to eat more than usual, uh, but and then down it with a lot more water. And um, so I'm not saying it's perfect. Um, I could definitely still get sick, but the, um, but the plan is there. So I'm at least halfway there. (laughs) Uh, uh, and this is instead of getting caught up in the moment and, um, somebody passing me that's in my age group or whatever, and me trying to stick with them, I'll actually do better if I stick to plan and it's written, the metrics are all written on the bottles, uh, and between my arms. So, um, uh, on paper, I know my ability, and if I do what I can do on paper, I'll have a fantastic race. So let's put those paper markings, let's put those markings from the paper on the bottles and then stick to that. Uh, weather's supposed to be really nice, so that won't be that much of a concern. Um, then the other thing is um, I shave my legs. I haven't shaved my legs for a race in many, 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 many years. I... Um, in training, uh, definitely the time spent shaving your legs is, uh, this is for guys, 
um, if there's not a race, the, the time spent shaving your legs, you could be doing something else like, um, making a better meal or, um, the resistance in training is good too, you know? And, uh, uh, we used to shave our legs for, uh, peak meets and uh, swim team in high school, uh, which was fun. And, uh, but I used clippers this time. I'm probably not going to use the all out razor. I have Emily inspect my legs. I posted a picture on Twitter of this, these two huge fur balls that came off my legs. Um, and I normally wouldn't do it, uh, because I didn't think it was that much of a difference, but specialized posted, uh, a video, which I need to link to on the blog, but it's 70 seconds over a 40 K. Uh, and it depends on how furry you are. Um, I'm medium furry. So, um, that's 2.6 minutes in a half Ironman. And, um, so let's round it down to two minutes in an Ironman, uh, just to be safe. And, you know, let's say that I'm not, uh, as furry as the guy that was in it. So we'll round it down to two minutes. Well, two minutes is a long time (laughs) to, to, uh, to do. So it's the day before the race. So I shave my legs and, uh, we'll see how nice it is. And they did something else. They tested something else in the wind tunnel. Oh, old triathlon gear versus new triathlon gears, like a minute and a half or something like that over a 40 K. Um, so you're talking, oh, so an Ironman shaved legs, uh, about five minutes, five minutes, five minutes for a, uh, for a medium furry guy, uh, by not shaving his legs, uh, shaving my arms. God, that starts getting really weird, you know, but, um, I'm wearing arm coolers anyways over my arms. So, um, and I've heard those are, uh, either, um, inconsequential or actually save you time. DeSoto arm coolers are really good. I used to get the ice fill ones, which I have nothing against. Um, they work great. Um, but they wear out real quickly. They're good for a few uses and then you pretty much got to toss them. They get too stretched out and the DeSoto ones are more durable and, uh, they cost a little bit more, but man, are they freaking great. And I think that's it for this morning. Um, oh, the uh, the entire Iron Man uh, Hawaii is on YouTube full length with commentary in the English in um, on YouTube man I couldn't believe it so we were watching it last night and uh, <laughs> uh, Kai all of a sudden just goes Daddy Kai's ten Daddy can we put my bike on the trainer? So there was a, and I look up and on the TV, um, there was a commercial. I was working on my Hill profile stuff. Um, on the, uh, on the, uh, TV, there was a commercial for some trainer, you know, and Kai's like, and I go, listen, and Emily and I started talking. He goes, I want to be a tri- pro triathlete someday. And I said, you know, I can train you. It just depends on how bad, badly you want to do it. Um, cause other things come up, you know, and definitely your brain is your biggest weapon as far as making money and having fun in life. So you want to be a pro triathlete, you know, work on that while work, working on a good grade so you can go to college and, and be on a, on a college triathlon club team. And then you can, uh, I said, I can train you over time just to be a, a viciously fast uh, triathlete. And uh, I can teach you how to train and how to use the stuff that's out there and, uh, and how not to overtrain and, uh, do it right. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but he goes, how much money do they make? I'm like, <laughs> not enough, man. It sucks for the amount of work you put into it, but it is really cool being a pro. People think you're the coolest person in the world. And sometimes, you know, that self coolness, 
that uh, self-esteem is a, is a big deal, you know, it makes you feel good and it gives you the uh, power to go out and do more things. Um, but anyway, so there was all that, but it's cool. The effect that TV has on people and you have a choice on what you put on TV. Uh, cartoons were on the other morning. I put cyclocross on the TV using the Chromecast plugin in the back of the TV and streaming it from, uh, Google Chrome, uh, a YouTube video of a cyclocross race. And then, uh, when Kai was getting ready to head to school, um, that morning I go, uh, what bike are you going to ride? And he goes, my road bike. Cause it's like his cyclocross bike. I'm like, cool, man. Hey, make sure you, uh, go off the sidewalk some into some grass and stuff like that. Like those cyclocross guys. And he's like, yeah, cyclocross. It's <laughs> like, cool. I know he's the only kid in my na- in my neighborhood or maybe in town at his age that is yelling cyclocross on his way out the door to go to school. But, um, and that, that level of activity, you know, it primes their brain for, um, uh, you know, for schoolwork and stuff, uh, they're able to pay attention more because they've got better blood flow. You know, they're more excited, more adrenaline, more, more everything. Um, let me think, uh, what else? Uh, Emily and I got in, got into a funny, we have fights, but they're funny fights. At least I think they're funny cause I start laughing and she's still mad, but she, uh, she's, she's like, I put all your nutrition stuff in a bag and I go, Emily, don't do that. Because I need to put the nutrition stuff in the bag. That way I know where everything is and I know it's packed. And she and she was like, but I thought I was helping you out, you know, and did it. And I go, Emily, don't do too much because I need to go through the process of putting the stuff in there so that I know where stuff is and I feel relaxed because I've, I've put it in there. If, if I don't put it in there, I don't know that it's there. And then I start getting anxiety that I've forgotten something. And she's like, fine. And she got all mad. And she goes, how about I just unpack everything and put it back where it was like a threat. And I go, actually, that'd be a pretty good idea. And she's not like that at all. (laughs) So she stomped off with this bag into the pantry, starts unloading stuff like hard, like onto the shelves. How about I put this back here? And I'm like, yeah, put it back there. I've got a list. I've got this huge checklist of everything that I need and we've got time. And, uh, I'm going to go through and put everything back myself, but that was funny, uh, to me, but not to her, but, uh, everything's fine. Um, oh, but we were watching the, uh, YouTube, uh, Hawaii Ironman stuff on uh, last night. So if you want to watch the full thing, it's out there, but I suggest, um, holding back cause Tawny and I have a uh, special surprise for you and, um, I think that's it. I got a lot more to do. I got to finish packing. I'm going to cook some uh, scrambled eggs and salsa, uh, a big batch of them for everybody. Um, one of the ways that I've maintained a much leaner, healthy weight is, uh, oh, by the way, I've had to definitely had to ratchet down my wristwatch one size because even though my weight stayed the same, uh, things have gotten skinnier in certain places. And one of them's my wrist, which, uh, Um, and my, my, uh, Jersey for the race is actually just the tiniest bit loose. And, um, even though my weight stays the same, so that's, um, that's muscle actually being put on, um, because muscle is denser. So, uh, if you put on fat, it takes up more volume and muscle actually weighs more for, uh, lesser volume or same volume. And, um, so I'm like, holy crap, this, uh, high intensity stuff I've been doing is, uh, cutting fat and putting on, putting on weight 
and uh, that's really good. But oh, the day before the race, got got to start looking at what you're eating and not eating too much high fiber stuff and too much hard to digest greasy fat and meat and stuff like that. Um, you want to start going a little bit uh, away from that. And I think in a minute we're gonna start doing um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, course drive through. Notice anything about that? We're gonna drive the course. Uh, we gotta drive over to Austin. It's two and a half hours, two hours, and uh, hopefully uh, meet up with Hillary Biscay and do a quick interview with her. All right, that's it. Out bang. All right, we're in the Zentron Mobile Studios, and we're at McDonald's in Caldwell. Great day before race eating, like I mentioned earlier. Really. <laughs> There's nothing else. Anyway, there's a burger that has a lot of veggies on it. It's like the Texas home style. Um, but anyway, and the other thing is, uh, when I got out of the car to go use the bathroom, this came on the radio. Yeah. This is revenge. Sing it, Dun, 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 that uh, you know, I'll lose weight or something stupid like that. And then I have low energy. I feel flat on race day. So um, I've been snacking kind of here and there on high-carb stuff. Nothing crazy, but just uh, not letting myself get hungry. And, uh, and I do drink the occasional Diet Coke, so I'm getting a Diet Coke with Lizanche here. And um, also the Iron Baby coming up in two weeks. The full Ironman, self-support Ironman I do. I just contacted Jesse, who's kayak support for it, out of Houston. And he said he's definitely in. What do you want, babe? We're moving bags around. Can you get some ketchup? Uh, Matthew Heinz. I didn't see it if we got it. I think Matthew's out of Dallas. Is um, at the Austin 70.3 uh, race briefing. And he's going to let us know if it's... Uh, wetsuit legal or not I bought a, I brought my old torn to crap uh, Xterra sleeveless wetsuit and I need to get a DeSoto um, top and uh, I got sponsored by them for a full wetsuit at one Should point just go around the block? yeah just go up and around and uh, I got the long sleeve top I need to just get the vest as well turn here? yeah just turn here it goes up turn by the church's chicken no golden chick so you got to hear that lady talking last night about living in Alaska, Bay? Oh, God. How, I heard how, it yesterday morning, and I heard it yesterday night. How crazy was she? <laughs> well, she sounds pretty normal, you know. Come in, in the <laughs> I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> it was it was interesting to listen to you. She's crazy, isn't she? I'm crazy. You kept, you, all the questions you kept asking me, like, what? What does she do there? I'm like, she I, runs I a hotel. I don't understand what her job was. She kept, I mean... Her job is being choosing, insane, and the she's only choosing to live there on her own for no reason—that's one thing. But if she's there to work, I was wondering. Oh, is there in her workers? Or, and then she kept complaining about not getting workers. Come, I'm like, but what is she doing? I mean, does she have a job where she's, she's supposed to be out there? She's being with crazy. The grizzly bears and the wolves and tracking animals. She's supposed to be crazy. Okay. And right. well, um, her office person. is the North Slope of Alaska, because <laughs> that 
is where crazy people function fantastically. So I wanted to ask my friend Samantha, who lives in Alaska and is very familiar with that area, oh, yeah. what is her opinion of this this lady? Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to do that. Yet. Remember her boyfriend, Samantha's boyfriend, lives in Hope, Alaska, where there's like nothing, and we thought that was desolate. You know, and this lady's out even further. Oh, y'all look up Hope, Alaska and realize there's no bridge. You can see Anchorage from it, but it's a three-hour drive. (laughs) So, it is something else. And we spent the night in Hope, Alaska. Okay, let's crinkle more bags. Makes for good podcasting. Finish up. I'm... What? The podcasting audience wants to hear you pull a straw out of this wrapper. Um, Let's do this after we eat. Okay. Uh, 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 What's next, baby? We're going to eat? Okay. Out. All right, we're here at the Austin Expo with the 2013 Ultraman champ, Hillary Biscay. Hi. Are you ever going to get tired of being introduced like that? Uh, Definitely not. (laughs) I was the guy that on Twitter was saying, if you win this thing straight out, they need to change the name of it to Ultra Woman. That, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'll ever get that close to the overall win again. That was definitely very sort of lucky, or I don't know what, what you want to call it. So, <laughs> um, even though it's been a year, and you've had plenty of time to think about it, what do you, are you thinking you're ever going to do it again, or, or not, or what? You know, I'm still, like, really undecided. I know I can't, I, I've always known I couldn't race this year, and... Next year's Ultraman seems like a really long way away. I know I'll have to decide come springtime um, to get my name on the list, but yeah. I really am no closer to a decision than I was last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like the weird thing about Ultraman, I think that did more for your notoriety and got your name out there than almost anything I've ever seen. Like, you became like world famous. Oh my goodness. More than ever before for doing that that small race. <laughs> well, that's And you've funny. done 60-something Ironmans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess us Ironman winners are a dime a dozen these days, so you got to do something different <laughs> to something uh, different. to make a name for yourself. <laughs> but then you did that Australian, uh, was it in Australia, that trail yeah. run? A 60K, just monstrous mm, run. You said that was like... It was 100K, 100K. yeah, and it was... Um, but it was a long 100K. It took me like 14 plus hours. Um, and yeah, I was definitely not uh, not prepared for that. I mean, it was such an interesting experience, but it was kind of like spending all day running up and down the like walls of this canyon, much of which was just like these metal stair- staircases that went up and down yeah. um, the canyon. And I, I'm a big fan of like running all day, but uh, there was a whole lot less running involved than I would have liked. <laughs> yeah. So are you? Um, are, you're not racing here tomorrow. Not racing here. Um, one thing I have learned from our li- thus far limited Smash Expo experience is that I would not want to try to work an expo and race at the end of it. Yeah. Um, tired. Oh, every day after working at an expo, it's it's so fun, and I love getting out and meeting our Smash fans and getting to, getting to know people and stuff. But by the end of the day, I feel like I've been hit by a bus. My legs are killing me. I mean, I don't train to stand up all day. This is like different. <laughs> and um, so, racing at the end of one of these would, for me, not be smart. <laughs> so, um, we were watching Kona coverage. Yeah. And there was a Smash guy. My husband. And, and your husband. And yeah. what was he, in second? He was leading he was the leading. race. He led for a lot of the bike ride, and then he came off the bike in second. Um, yeah. And he was in his 
fast cat kit, which we designed for him for Kona, and with his input, and uh, cat is his nickname, so the kit is the fast cat, and it's like white on the back, because he wanted a white back to keep him cool in Hawaii, and um, so he was racing in his special new kit, and he smashed it, so it was great. There's, there's video footage, YouTube footage, of him racing, and it says smash down the, his side, yep. right, yeah. right here, and I was like, that's... That's Biscay's uh, line. That's that's so cool. You got to be so happy. Yeah. With the exposure that guy. Yeah, had. yeah. No, I mean, we certainly didn't didn't plan for that all yeah. that camera time, but that was really yeah. fortuitous for yeah. sure. So it, I was following uh, Smash Smash Fest Queen on Twitter. Yep. And then um, and then you at Kona, and um, I saw that y'all are introducing like uh, bikini, bikini stuff. So yeah. lots of lots of uh, pictures. Of chicks and bikinis. Yeah, with did the you smash. Enjoy that? Yeah, that was really good. Okay, good. I, I have to admit, I zoomed in on on it. And then, uh, but then, uh, what else you got going on? That's uh, oh, you got trucker hats. Gosh, we have yes, trucker hats seem to be the big thing right now. We are doing a lot of trucker hat action, it's, and it's like my new favorite thing to run in and then wear all day when I don't have time to shower. It's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, good for quick transitions. The trucker hat. We have the new bikinis. We just this weekend got sports bras. So everyone's been asking for sports bras, and we now have sports bras, people. They will be available online Tuesday night. Um, and we have that. We have a few new kits. A couple new ones came out in Kona, the Ohana and the Queen K kits, and then our men's Fast Cat kit, which we just talked about. Yeah, so Emily's pushing her way. She's handling them. What do you, what do you think? I like everything. Everything's awesome. So I can get one of everything? Is that what you're saying? You can yeah, if you want to. Emily that means one I- of everything. Come to the changing tent. <laughs> All right. So what's um, what's a big seller, and then also what's something that you wish people knew more about that that you could uh, let them know? Gosh, yeah. Um, our big seller has been well. People are all over. Definitely our bikini and our new kits. Um, I know that's what people come to us for. They come for the racing gear, but. We do have um, some really, really cute, super sexy, casual dresses. We have the Meredith dress in black and the Michelle dress in hot pink and slate. Yeah. And those oh, are just yeah. so awesome. Like a lot of, we have a lot of women that call them their podium dresses. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess I just want to like put it out there that we do have cute and cool casual wear on top of the, uh, the stuff to race and train in. Cool. Oh, and silicone swim caps? Looks oh, nice. we do have swim caps. Yeah, we have new silicone swim caps that say Smash Fest, so you can wear them for your favorite swimming Smash Fest. <laughs> so what's your uh, next event coming up? I don't know. You know, I had planned to finish my season at Ironman Wisconsin because I knew that my year was really backloaded with my work and my other jobs. And I had a bunch of, like, unfortunate sort of injuries leading up to Wisconsin and didn't want to go there, like, unprepared. So didn't end up racing, and then I was kind of left, like, at loose ends, and now I'm working, like, way way too much. Um, And so I'm in no kind of shape to be racing right now, honestly. So any big racing will wait till 2015. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. So good to meet you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) All right, we just got done with the expo area. I'm here with Zentri Nurse, who just met Hillary Biscay. Pretty impressive, huh? She's awesome. Yeah. And what you you bought a trucker hat and you got her to autograph it? Uh huh. I sure did. <laughs> and then. And I got my picture with her. Yeah. yeah. And I tweeted my picture with her that I got you to take. And she was. She was most impressed, impressed with with Kai. With Kai. <laughs> and then uh, let's see. 
Um, I only have to wear one of my race numbers. They gave me two. So I got Hillary to sign my race number. <laughs> and she wrote, smash it on your hat, too. Right? Yep. And that's her thing. Like, like when we were leaving, she goes, remember, smash it tomorrow. I'm like, well, I guess I will now that you said that. And uh, She had lots of cool stuff. I wanted everything she had in there. Yeah, it's all We could have spent awesome. $1,000 right there. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we did. really could have. <laughs> um, and then, let's see... Uh, when we got out of the car to walk over there, a guy was like, the line is like an hour and something long. And uh, I got an email a couple days ago from Iron Man reminding, reminding me that as a um, all-world athlete, which means you're top 10% or better, then you get... Oh, the, the pink Quintana Roo. Emily spotted it. The camo. That um, you get to cut the line up to the front. And I've always thought that's kind of a, a jerk move, you know. And that's generally people's reaction. But it was funny how my emotions changed when I saw how long that line was. It's like 100 degrees out here. So I was like, I was telling Emily, I've told, I said several times, if that line was like 10, 20 people, you know, it's like a 10-minute wait. Cause like it has been at Galveston. I, don't, I wait in line because walking up front is whatever. But this line was huge, and it went on and on and on. It, it was funny that I started, I started thinking, I've trained my ass off <laughs> for years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if this really works. And so I walked up to the very, very front and just kind of casually said, um, where's the check-in line for all-world athletes? And she goes, right here. And she was super stoked. The lady was. So I just never, yeah, I never looked at anybody. So honestly, I feel ashamed because it's 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 uncool to use it. But also, I, I wanted to report to everybody that in a pinch, where if you need to, because we're kind of late, we got we got to get this done. We got stuff to do. Then uh, you can use it. So listen to more Zentri podcast tips, and you can become an all-world athlete too, right, baby? Yeah. So that was an experience. That's pretty cool. All right. Kai's burping in the back, so I guess we're done. Did you get your water, dude? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. We'll be back in a bit. We're going to check my bike in and then drive the course or something. All right, out. Bang. All right, we are at Ramos Restaurant. Emily's looking at me. Are you getting tired? Yes. Why don't you get closer to the microphone? Yes, I'm getting uh, sleepy, honey. Oh, so we go back to the hotel room and nap. So we almost got a smoking room, huh? How'd you handle that one? Yeah, so the reservation I made two months... I walked in and the lady was like, when did you make your reservation? And I have it pulled up on my phone. I don't know, it was a couple of months ago. And she goes, well, we have a little problem with our computer. It erased a bunch of reservations. And I'm going, oh, crap, because you and Kyle were outside. And I'm just like, what are we going to do if there's no room? So then she says, but we do have three rooms for emergencies that are all smoking or something like that. And I was like, oh. So I went outside and told you, and I figured you would just be pissed, and I don't know where we would go, though. So then we all came back in, and you were like, we'll take one. And then by then, she had figured out that they had a, um, or somebody, she switched one, a room with somebody else that didn't care. My reaction was, we'll take it. I, I didn't even hesitate, because I'm like, we're not going to find another hotel room around here. So we'll argue with them about it later, but we'll go ahead and take the smoking room now and then bitch about it the, the entire time. Um... Uh, can we get a 
to-go box. I'm going to take as much of this as I can. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, and then Kai and I were outside looking at the wild parakeets that were out there, African green parakeets. And, uh, and that was crazy. There's just this huge flock of birds. And do we pay you? Or? Yes. Let me get the ticket. Yeah. So then, then we were going to park the car, and this lady was just smoking away by the pool. And then she ends up coming on the same floor we are, right across from us, in a non-smoking room. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah, if that, if that <laughs> happened, no I'd be like, hey, sense. can we switch rooms with her? Cause... Yeah, she obviously doesn't care. So why, why do you not it matter? So how was driving the course, eh? The flat course? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was entertaining. <laughs> no, I had a lot more to say. So yeah, we drove the course like parts, half of it I didn't remember at all from last year because it was so treacherous. It was. It was very treacherous and hilly. I do, and so Brett kept, he keeps telling eight hundred feet of elevation gain. Brett keeps telling everybody how flat this course is, and compared to College Station, it's so flat. Blah blah blah, which is just infuriating to me because I feel like um, it's not wasn't flat at all, and I had that was really hard for me. And so we we drive in the course, and yes, there was definitely hills. But the whole time, Kai and Brett are like, "Oh, it's so flat," and then the Brett starts pretending to be an pretending to be an airplane uh, pilot, you know. And Kai is too talking about how you know high how high the elevation Altitude is, stuff. yeah, whatever. Anyway, it, it it was a long way. Oh yeah, uh, this is uh, your pilot, Brett from Zentria. Please look out to the. To your right, or the landscape, you'll see that we are at extremely high altitude. Oh my god, we're going in a dive! Uh, yeah, please fasten your seatbelts or experience some turbulence. Oh my god, those goats outside are fighting for their lives. So, you didn't think it was all that funny? You were laughing, though. I was laughing for a while, but I wanted y'all to acknowledge that it was not flat. We have to acknowledge your emotions. And then I said, Brett, Brett, I hope that you do really well on the course tomorrow, but I want you to acknowledge that there are hills. Yes. I, and I said, this, there are hills. Yeah, and so finally, you know, about halfway down, I was like, God, how much longer is this course? And so, Remember? And that then made he you feel started, good as well. That made me feel better. And then he got bored. Because this race is all about you. <laughs> no, it's, I never said it was. And then um, I started doing something with his the iPad. And so finally, we, we finished the 56 miles. And I said, Kai, can you believe Mommy rode all this way? And he, he said, no. I mean, it was a long way. So it's got a lot of 90-degree uh, turns because it's yes. ran, old ranch roads road, and country twice. roads Four times that have uh, the curves haven't been smoothed out, rounded out. So they're sharp, sharp turns. And, yeah, there's this one. We go over railroad tracks, like, what do you think, like four times? And there's this one we part where you... Go over, yeah, and we missed a couple turns because the turns are so abrupt. And then um, there's this, it's like the first or second railroad track crossing is outrageously dangerous to go over because the, um, the pavement's collapsed kind of around it. So either the, the railroad is up at a large angle, which will flatten your tire if you hit it with your rim, or, um, or the pavement around the railroad uh, track, the, the piece of metal itself, the pavement is sticking up at a sharp edge, which will pinch flat your tire and probably break your wheel. It was outrageous. So Kai and I got out of the car while you were on the phone with Morgan. <laughs> and we sat out there for a long time trying to analyze, like, where do you cross these tracks while... Well, you were going so fast, babe. You yeah, probably oh, sure. smashed through any kind of asphalt that was in your way. 
But Kyle and I looked at it forever trying to figure out where to even go over that. And finally we figured out the best place, which is still dangerous. And then with a rock, I scraped the ground over and over and over again. And it left a white, yeah, it left a white uh, streak on the ground of where to put my front tire when we go over that thing. So, yeah. so we're all good? He's, he's, okay. yes, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I'm sorry he stopped right. and I was trying to answer Okay, him. podcast. <laughs> oh, and, oh, I wanted to mention Ramos, Ramos, Ramos. Anyway, R-A-M-O-S, Mexican restaurant in downtown Manor, which you kind of blink if you miss it. Or miss if you blink. Miss it if you blink. Oh, my God. If you blink, you miss it. Anyway, it's a really good Mexican restaurant. Yeah. It's all decorated for Halloween, so it's really cool. So I got a ton of beans and rice left over. I'm going to put in a box. Thank you very much. Good. Oh, yeah, we're done. Thank you. So um, the service is great. Food was nice and fast. Um, it's plenty big. And it's all decorated up for Halloween, which is really cool. And they got big screen TVs. And uh, yeah, order a plate with beans and rice and you can take it to go. And um, really good for carbs the night before the race. So, right? You like it, Kai? Yeah. All right. part of mine. All right, out, bing. All right, sun hasn't gone down yet. Wait a minute, Kai, come back. And we're behind the, uh, what is it, America's Best Inn or something like that? Wherever we're staying at? And there's this huge hill with a big, smooth, concrete driveway that's a couple hundred yards long with giant S-bends in it. So, you stoked? Yeah. And Kai's on his scooter. We should have gotten the helmet out. You're going to ride it low? Yeah. You're going to slam it in the front? Yeah. All right. Go. This is so dangerous. This is awesome. <laughs> Go, dude, go! Oh my god, he's gonna let me try it. I'm gonna die. It's gonna take him forever to come back up. This little family time with Kai before the race. Emily's back in the hotel room trying to explain to her dad that uh, having so many people at the beginning. There's some, there's some of those parrots. Oh, there's the big parrot nest. Oh my god, it's kind of freaky. They're like aliens. That having another person there. I want to do really well at this race. And really the thing. Uh, racing is different than exercising. Because races. So many things can go wrong. If you don't have your crap straight. And the more people you have around you. Showing up before the race. You start forgetting things. And leaving stuff places. Or letting things not happen. Because people are distracting. And she, I told her to tell her dad. like, Meet us after the race has started. Was it cool? Yeah. Can I try it? Yeah. All right. Hold on. Oh my God, that was so cool. <laughs> a long hair guy. I rode it right through the middle of a building, like through a dog run part. Oh. That pavement's smooth. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. All right, we're here at the transition area the swim start we're down on the bank anybody that's been the austin race before knows i'm here with centri nurse how's it going 
Hello, it's going good. And I'm here with Zentri uh, Papa. <laughs> Hello, Tom Rhodes. <laughs> and Kai. Hi. And uh, I got about 20 minutes until my wave start. And uh, we did the whole bus thing and uh, trying to get here on time and lots of franticness. Some guy just borrowed Emily's phone to call his wife about something that's going on. But I uh, finally got everything all together. And yeah, I was uh, got my headlamp and I'm like, I'm so smart. I got everything all organized and cool and not stressed. And I'm pumping up my front tire. And there are somebody else, I heard when we were walking up, somebody's tire explode or you hear tires explode every once in a while and over the right they're over the PA system going anybody have a spare tube and I thought man sucks for them them, man (laughs) and as I'm pumping up my tube just like two seconds later I'm pumping up my tube and I hear blam like that and I was like huh sucks for them (laughs) and then I noticed the front of my bike because that's the tube I was pumping up was wiggling in the air and then I go I just like in disbelief Disbelief yelled out, "Is that me? Holy I go, crap!" Is that daddy? And, I said, uh, and the the tube wedged itself out over the side of the tire wall, out of the rim, and popped. And uh, so then I given up, like going. I changed it with my spare, and then I'm like, "Man, if I have a flat out on the course, I have a." Hey, what's up, man? I'm recording. I know. How's it going? I'm, I'm recording bombing you. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Emily's dad. Hey, Emily's dad. Tom Rhodes, nice to meet you. I'm Yeah? And I'm John. And let's see, what are you expecting to do today? I am expecting, I'm expecting to finish. Yeah. It's been five years. Uh, I did 622 the first time in no heart rate monitor, no GPS. I mean, just, I, that was like my first. So. But you've done this course before. I've done, well, it's a new bike course. Oh, they did change it some. I saw on the map, yeah. If I did the same as I did, that'd be that'd be great. But I'm not going to keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to keep up with my mind. <laughs> You're going to rock it. Well, I had a flat tire in the transition. Right in the transition. Was saying, if anybody has a tube, Brett's oh, so, no, it was well, wrong. one of many people. But then, okay, so I'm like, well, I changed out my tube, right, with my spare, and I'm like, man, I have a, I have to use tubes that have no core in them, that have a removable core because my valve adapters have cores in them already. And I'm like, what are the chances? If I have another flat, somebody's gonna find one of those, right? Or hand me one of those. So we're changing into my wetsuit over here and I'm going through my bag and I have another one here in my bag. (laughs) And so I'm wearing it now in my back pocket of my my, uh, jersey underneath my wetsuit. That's your spare. That's my spare, so I'm okay. All right. (laughs) So I'm just doing a little bit of recording before we get going. The sunrise is beautiful. They yeah. started the age groupers just as the red sun came above the horizon, and it was awesome. Yeah. So, I wonder if they timed it with, um, they looked at the the um, sunrise, sunset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was at a race where they didn't time it right, you know, and we had to wait around. Maybe, was that last year? We had to wait around for the sun to come up or something? Anyway, they had it off, you know. They were waiting. So, so is any of the uh, other Zintri Armory here? We've seen random people. Um, random people just saying hi. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Supporters. Yeah. yeah. So you all, are you nervous or anything? I'm. I'm a little. I always get real shaky before. Just I don't know. It's just. It's, it's, I guess it's like adrenaline. Just yeah. suddenly gets kicks in and just starts pumping you. You're just kind of like a little hot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about him? How's he gonna do? He's gonna do great. 
if he can make if I if I can make it through his swim, he'll be fine. Yes, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I had a talk with my mom water. last night about all that. <laughs> She's like, "What? She wants to, Emily to call her as soon as I'm done with everything, yeah. so that she knows I'm okay." The the big thing I'm kind of concerned about is it's it's going to be a little warm. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot so warmer. Than lots it was. of water over your head and stuff. Yeah. So I'm running with a water bottle in my hand yeah. that I'm going to pour ice in at the aid station, so then pour on me as I run. I think I wish I had some of those ice fill sleeves so I could do the whole Ben Hoffman thing. Yeah. Do um. But I don't yeah, I heard like, that interview. That was pretty cool. It was. Um, I do the sponges and like shift them up yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah, those are good. And then every once in a while, I'll push them down. And then as you go through an aid station, you can grab water and pour it on those sponges, and the sponges will suck them up. And then you can just run and every once in a while do that. So that's the best I can do. So. At least it's not a full Iron Man in this heat. Now, what's not going on today is when I did the race five years ago, I also proposed. Oh, yeah? So, we did it right This is an anniversary race. This is. It's romantic. Yeah. So, yeah, I I decided to... You're married to triathlon. That's right. I went ahead and gave her the ring before the race because I didn't want to have to keep track of it. Imagine losing it in this lake. You'd never find it. Oh, Cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you out there. All right. Good luck, Brett. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck to you. All right. We just had a female racer come up. And what's your name? Mary Fletcher. Mary Fletcher. And where yeah. are you from? Denver, Colorado. You came down here from Denver? Yeah. Oh, it's congratulations. I'm doing the Austin one. We come down every year. Do you know Sonia Wick? Um, well, I know I who she, she is. You know who she is. I think we all know who she is. I don't is. know her personally. She's awesome. No, so. Um, yeah. So what do you think of the weather so far? Hey, it looks like. Were you here last year? I was here last year. That's was way a better. colder. Yeah. So this year I think it's going to be better. Hopefully it doesn't get too hot by the time we get on the run course, though. So. Yeah, just dump water on myself. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> just constantly. Well, it's exciting to meet you. Yeah. So nice I to meet you, too. Show, so oh, good cool. Luck. Well, listen, you're on it now. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> so. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, I'm here with uh, Zentri, just general, general all-around stud, Kai Blankner. How's it going? Good. And we're in a Jeep, a new Jeep Rubicon four-door. It's all jacked up. Not too much, but it's pretty nice. We're just a 10, 15 feet away from the award ceremony platform in the rodeo arena. So this is a display Jeep that they're uh, showing off as a sponsor of the race. What do you think? Kai's in the driver's seat. And I'm sitting in the past. $3,500 plus tax. Um, no. $3,500. Oh. But anyway, look, that's the four-wheel drive lever right there. Mm-hmm. And here's all the control. Look at all the stuff that's on the steering wheel. What do you think you could climb over in this thing? Um, a mountain? A rock. A rock. <laughs> A stick. Twig. Did you know there's a country named Iraq? Um. Iraq. Get it? Yeah. Look at all this stuff. This is cool. Yeah, so we're waiting for the roll down. I got 10th in my uh, age group. Dad, it's kind of like your car right here. Yeah. Like that. And then whatever. Yeah, so we'll find out. If I get 10th, that'll be really cool because I might take the slot to Worlds in Austria. If it's five. If it's five. Yeah, I don't know. It rolling all the way down to 10th. There was another race, a a guy that didn't take, he's fifth. And we were hanging out with a guy that was fifth and a guy that was second. 
and uh, they said that it rolled down the tenth at another race they were at for our age group. So maybe. So we're waiting. We're in the big rodeo arena. What do you think? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Take the steering wheel in your hands, man. Nothing. <laughs> Look at the air, the air vents. Look how they do that. Not weird. Look, you can. Clo that's how you close it off. Look, Kai. Look. Isn't that neat? This is really nice. Look how much room there is. It looks like a stereo. A little bit less room than the Xterra. Kai, look behind you. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, and you can take the top off. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the beach, not take get stuck. Take the doors off. Take the doors off, take the top off. Yeah. Cool. Let's go ahead and get out. All right, let's go outside. It's very cool. All right, so we're back, and the race was great. I got 10th uh, overall, I think I said, and um, we're going to detail it here right now. Um, right before the swim, I had that flat that you heard me mention, and so I swam with the... <laughs> I swam with a spare tube in my back pocket of my wetsuit. I really did do that uh, in my jersey underneath my wetsuit in my Amrita kit. And it didn't bother me at all. So I did the swim in 29.11, which I came out of the water fourth in my wave, uh, fifth overall in my age group. And that's a really good swim. 29.11, uh, there was some discussion on slow twitch on whether or not the swim was accurate. The swim was extremely accurate. So it wasn't long, it wasn't short, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And I swam a 29.11 open water, and I really do like the wave starts, because <laughs> it calms things down just a little bit. Um, I have this old wetsuit that's kind of torn up, so that doesn't help too much, and then because of the drag from the tears and stuff. And uh, the water was 74 degrees, and I wore a sleeveless wetsuit, because I like those uh, better, and I won't get hot, because that's kind of getting warm on the uh, on the wetsuit end of things in fact that's very warm and and but i felt fine the entire time i never noticed that i was hot or cold or anything i had to think about it after the race was i hot or was i cold and because i don't remember that means it was great <laughs> and then, the swim effort was really cool because i've been doing polarized intervals in the uh in swim training three times a week and I was able to unleash lots of power, lots of power. And I was able to swim really hard, and I never ran out of air. I think towards the end of it, I started kind of getting a little bit tired, and I just pulled the pace back some, but I noticed that my arms were nice and strong, and I was able just to cruise along. And, uh, yeah, when I got out of the water and I saw that I'd done about 29 minutes, because there's a little bit of extra time, you know, you got to get out and walk over the um, – the uh, mats and stuff like that. I was like, I was happy. I was like, 29 minutes. That's pretty good. I was surprised I didn't go faster because <laughs> it felt faster. But I did a single sided breathing because I was swimming so hard. I needed all that air and ended up being fine. And then in swim practice, I do a little bit of peeping up and looking in practice. And that was fine too. So everything worked out great. I tried to draft off of people when I could, and I had people drafting off of me. The water's not clear. So it's, it's, you know, you're just doing what you can. And the lake's great. And Oh, when I came out of the water, I got my wetsuit uh, pulled off by the wetsuit strippers. They ripped off my uh, that RFID ankle tag thing, you know, that goes over the mat tag. Your athlete tracker came off by accident. And <laughs> I go, oh, let me put that on. They go, oh, yeah, you need that. Like, I didn't know. 
<laughs> they don't know how, because it's in waves and the age groups are kind of mixed up, they don't know if they're dealing with somebody that's brand new to triathlon or somebody that's done tons of, of triathlons, you know. And I, I, I was like, yeah, of course I know I need that. And then anyway, anyway so I, I put it back on and then kept running. And then also skin sake, I put some on my neck and under my arms and also on my crotch uh, before the race right before the race and handed it back to Emily. And that stuff works great. I usually get wetsuit burn all up and down my neck and no rash of any kind after this race. So I'm super stoked about that. So Skin Sake is the brand and it really, really works really well. Okay, so for transition, it's an uphill, like most are. It's an uphill run, which can really gas you after the swim. And I was super excited that I was able to run up the hill from the swim with no problem whatsoever. I ran it and usually I'm kind of gassed from the swim and I kind of need to walk it, maybe kind of run walk it. But no, I just jogged up it and the interval work that I've been doing has been really peaking out my VO2 max and I think that has everything to do with it. I totally had no problems. I didn't feel like I was going to pass out or anything. The second half of the swim not at the second half, the last quarter of the swim, I was starting to get a little tired because of the pace I was carrying. That When I slipped, when I pulled back the effort a little bit, part of that was I'm going to have to run up a hill. So pull back the effort just a little bit so running up that hill doesn't make you pass out. <laughs> so it works out. That's a strategy uh, that you can use. And then uh, when I got to my bike, I put down, I got one of those triathlon uh, transition mats. I got it a couple of years ago and I finally got to use it. So it's nice and clean. And that mine's pinkish pink. I don't know. I th- it was like the last one left. And so that's the one I got. But it's cool because it helped me find my bike. I got out and it, it's covered in mud on the edge where the guy using the bike next to me used it. I swear he used it. Of course, I wasn't there. So I don't know how much he used it or if it was by accident. But he used my mat. So uh, something Walsh, whatever your first name is. But I remember your last name is Walsh from New Zealand. Dude, you used my mat. <laughs> it was all nasty. I didn't get to use it myself the first time. So shame on you. Um, but it was all right. I saw him later on the uh, run, and we, I think we said something to each other, and I'm not mad about it. Uh, but it was just funny. When I came out of the water, I'm like, ugh, my mat was all muddy and nasty. Okay, so one of the difficult things, but that was worth it, was these uh, DeSoto, I think they're called DeSoto wings. And what they are, it's like a, it's uh, it's cooling sleeves, but they're connected in the back, and they go over your neck and shoulders too, the back of your neck and your shoulders. They're... Um, they're a little rare out there on the in the field to see, but they are incredible because you get arm cooling or arm warming if you want. It just depends on how hot or cold it is. And uh, then also it protects your shoulders and your neck from sunburn. And you're about to go out on the bike, and now you don't have to worry about uh, putting sunscreen on these spots. And, and they cool you. And so I decided to put it on before the bike. Being wet and trying to put them on is a little difficult, but it wasn't that bad and it ended up being worth it it took maybe 15 seconds or something like that one sucky thing about the austin race is you need to carry your bike out of the transition area you really should because there's thorns what are they called the little they call them goat's head thorns so they're like balls but they have like the size of a pea but they have really hard spikes on them and um, they will flat your tire so you carry your bike out to the pavement, which is a hundred feet. It depends. It could be a couple hundred feet. It could be a few hundred feet. It totally depends on um, where your bike is racked. And carrying your bike sucks. <laughs> but 
you got to do it and uh, prepare for that if you ever do this race. It really does help. Okay, so I head out on the bike. Emily took a video of me getting on the bike, and it just looked like it was not uh, impressive. But it was just you know hopping on the bike and getting going. There's you know a little bit of people clumped up, so I just was patient. And let's uh, now head out on the bike. I did 22 and a half miles per hour for a 229. And I moved from fifth place down to eighth place. But the bike course was, well, that, that's actually really, really good. That's what I was hoping for. I was actually hoping for better, but that was before I realized how hilly the uh, bike course was. And the bike course is really, really challenging. Um, but I liked it. It it made the uh, bike ride go by faster, which was pretty cool. And you know, for two and a half hours out on a bike to have it go by because things keep happening is a little bit entertaining. It was a little frustrating at times, but not too bad. But anyway, the dangerous things that you have to watch out for are high speed turns, 90 degree turns at high speed, possibly depending on how fast you're going and sections that are bumpy in the shade. So it's in the morning, you know, so you got some shadows because the roads are, some of the roads are really narrow and that's nice. But if you're wearing eye protection, like some kind of sunglasses or whatever, you can't, and the roads could have a pothole, you really can't see them because it's, um, you know, hidden from view because of the shadow and the sunglasses. And um, that, that can wear on you a little bit. On slow twitch, a lot of people complain about the bike course being really, really hard. It's actually not that hard. It's just, uh, it depends on where you're from and what you're used to training on. So if you think that's hard, Go train on hard stuff, and it'll just seem kind of normal. <laughs> I'd, so anyway, I kind of liked it because it made the time go by faster. And there was lots of wrecks and lots of flats due to the course being more technical, which, again, I enjoy. If you're a good cyclist, the technical stuff is kind of fun instead of being uh, irritating and scary. And you can fix that. You can go out and train more on technical stuff. Then it gets go mountain biking, and it'll make uh, that road seem like uh, a cakewalk. I think we recorded that Kai and I uh, made markings across the railroad tracks. The first set of railroad tracks are crazy dangerous. And I got off the, got out of the car and marked the pavement with a rock, scraping the rock on the ground to mark a line to uh, take across the railroad tracks that most likely would not completely flat my tires from hitting them so hard uh, and would allow me to stay on the bike. And I, uh, I did that and I followed it. It was there that morning, and I followed it, and that was awesome. <laughs> oh, by the way, drive the course. If you drive the course, it isn't that bad. Um, you're, you're prepared for it. Then also there was uh, lots of smooth sections where the pavement was fantastic and uh, little rolling hills and just entertaining, you know. Aid stations were stocked well. It was great. This is the first race that I... Uh, shave my legs for a race in many, 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 many years because I couldn't ignore the wind tunnel testing data. And it was funny uh, seeing a guy that I would pass or that would pass me um, with, with uh, furry legs. And I would think to myself, ha ha, <laughs> you fool. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Saves you two, I think I mentioned earlier, two and a half minutes over a half Ironman. So uh, you want to do it if you can. And uh, shaving my legs was not that big of a deal. It took just a little while, maybe half an hour uh, altogether. And then maybe 45 minutes. All-world athlete. Okay, so that's this. if you're the top 10% or, or higher, you, you're an AWA Ironman. 
And that is, and that's based on previous year's race results. And they sell kits, and there's a there's a logo or a sticker that goes on your bib number. So if you look, you can kind of t- it's harder on the bike. But uh, I've decided that, that the all world athlete stuff is good because it's a marker. <laughs> it's an indicator that. I know who's actually fast and knows what they're doing for overall results instead of just blowing up on the bike. This person gets good results in the end of the race. So he's going a good pace and not overdoing it, and he's not underdoing it. So if somebody's uh, uh, biking and there's a guy with with an all-world athlete uh, kit on and for the race, and I was like, okay, stick with this guy. You know, it, it, any faster than this is not going to be that much faster, and any slower than this is not going to be good either. So, um, I've decided that I really like it, and yeah. So, if they got an all-world athlete kit and my age group on their leg, then um, I know that they're a threat or useful, so I stick with them. Coming from uh, ultra running and being a back of the pack kind of uh, racer through the years, and you know, years and years of racing of uh, just glad to finish but now i'm up at the front right and going fast um, i still have the habit which i think is nice uh, to do no matter how fast you are of saying hi to people on the bike you know because we're all out there together and it's tough work and you can uh as if you pass somebody or somebody passes you you can say hi uh how's it going keep it up you can do it you know like that and (laughs) at this race for whatever reason i only did it a few times but when i did it Uh, people looked at me like I was insane for talking like that. And I was just like, oh, that's weird. And I don't know if it's because it's an intensity thing or it's an Austin thing that people are so competitive or what. I don't know. Now, this is a really important thing I want to talk about. The seven meters draft zone, which is four bike lengths, is um, I measured it out before the race. So with a tape measure, 25 feet is like 7.5 meters. So it gives you a little bit of respectable length and also i grew up with my parents had a sailboat that was 25 feet long which is seven seven and a half meters and so i know what that distance feels like because i used to pretty much freaking live on that boat every other weekend from stern to bow um bow sprit the uh i know what 25 feet looks like so i'm drafting not drafting i'm not drafting i'm in the draft uh i'm legally like seven meters behind the guy and uh in front of me so I thought I would try it in this race because I'm always talking about it, about not to, not to worry so much about trying to get in a draft pack, you know, a legal draft pack like this and using the guy in front of you because it's not really worth it because of the accordion effect where you're always having to push to keep up and then coast to, to uh, back off and, and it, gets, um, it gets old after a while and it wears you out. But uh, towards the beginning of this race, I don't know, I got kind of caught up in trying to do it for whatever reason. And it is exactly what I said. It's, it's worth it if, if, the, uh, if the person happens to be going just about the same speed as you. Now, if, um, if they're better than you, you're going to have trouble. And after a while, it, was really, it would wear me out um, because... What happens is the guy is um, starts going uphill, and it would be like a lighter guy than me, and I would have to work to go up the hill, and he would drop me, and then on the downhill, I'd have to hammer to catch back up, 
and then I'd catch back up too close and I have to slam on the brakes, you know, to get back off of them another seven meters. And then um, that acceleration and slowing down and acceleration and slowing down, uh, maybe on a flat course, it's easier to manage. But with the hills, it was just like, geez, um, I would do it for a while. And then I found that my heart rate was too high and uh, I just wasn't having fun anymore doing it. It was easier just to stick with the, um, with the biking at, uh, on your own. So anyway, hold on. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> had to grab some, had to grab a banana to eat. So with the whole, uh, legal draft zone, uh, seven meters, it's my, my opinion is that if you're heading into a headwind and there happens to be somebody that's going about your speed and it's not really any work at all to try to stay in it. Yeah. Then, then I'll do it. But what I found was trying to, if that, once that person, uh, outpaces you, just let them go. (laughs) It's not, you're burning matches, just, uh, trying to keep up and stay on the edge. And then, uh, the mental anxiety burns calories too, of trying to make sure you're not drafting. I had a guy say something to me like, Oh, you're too close. And no, I'm not. (laughs) And, but then, you know, it's just, um, I don't know, a little bit too much anxiety and not as much fun. So do it when it's available and, uh, just don't worry about it too much. Um, it's, it's bittersweet. It's got a downside too. All right. So let's see fueling. I did uh, 400 calories per hour and I think that that was, uh, well, I know it was just a little bit too much. Um, I'm probably going to dial it back to 300 or 350. I had uh, plenty of energy on the bike, but when I got off the bike and started running, I had no pop on the run. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't really, really run as fast as I wanted to. And my stomach kind of hurt a little bit kind of off and on. And yeah, just that's, that's a symptom of just a little bit too many calories. But the thing is, is, well, you could just drink more water, you know, to dilute it. Well, I drank a full bottle of water at every aid station. So I was drinking as much water as is available. So you can't get more water. <laughs> so you kind of have to, you're kind of limited to what you can uh, carry or drink. And I was thinking that maybe I could... Um, stop at an aid station and get two water bottles on occasion. Uh, maybe the second to the last aid station on the bike, get a, get an extra water bottle and, uh, drink it towards the end of the race, drink the first, drink that one and the other one that I was normally going to drink to add some more water in that might've done it. In fact, that probably would have done exactly what I needed to. And, uh, as I finished up the bike, I ran completely out of water at the the last two minutes of the bike ride. But that was grabbing, yeah, a water bottle at every single aid station. They had four aid stations on the bike. And these are bigger water bottles, so they weren't tiny. Let's see. Uh, the DeSoto wings I was telling you about worked great. No sunburn on the shoulders. Felt nice and cool on the bike. Um, in the Towards the end of the bike, it started getting just a little bit warm. Um, the hills and the, the bursts of acceleration trying to uh, pass people or trying to regain to get back into the legal draft of the guy in front of me, um, then uh, those, and this horse, this course, this horse, this uh, course was hilly, right? And they, I couldn't believe it, but it was barely phasing me at all. So um, uh, I'd climb a hill and then coasting down the other side, pedaling easy. I'd, I'd go from breathing hard 
and my legs hurting to just fine, 100% fine. I could just sit there and do that all day. And um, thank you so much to Polarized Intervals. And the rear tire was blown out when I picked up my bike. Yeah, so when the whole race was over, I um, went to go get my bike, and I'm walking it along, and, I, and it's it's handling weird while I'm just walking with it. And uh, I noticed the rear tire was blown out. I haven't looked at it yet to see uh, what caused the flat, if it was a thorn or something, but that was kind of weird. So basically I had two flats, one right before the race and one right after, <laughs> and none during. So um, that's both weird and uh, uh, interesting and lucky uh, and expensive. <laughs> so I have to fix all that. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the run. On the run, I did a 152.57, which is only an 8.37 pace. It's not that fast for you know, for 10th place. Um, and this, I fell a couple more places down the 10th, but it was, uh, it turns out that was actually a really good pace. <laughs> um, uh, for example, Galveston run to get that, you have to run like a low seven, uh, minute mile, but an eight thirty seven got it at this race because it was so hilly. Um, so I grabbed my stuff out of my transition bag. I racked my bike and grabbed my stuff out of my transition bag and pulled out my race number. And I, it's the Hillary, it's the one that Hillary Biscay autographed for me, which was so cool. And it's now up on my uh, wall at work. And I, I put it on and I'm like, yeah, I got Hillary Biscay power, <laughs> which was nice. Those little things really do help. Kai and Emily were, um, at the transition area, and Kai's dad, or uh, I'm Kai's dad, Emily's dad, and uh, we said uh, hey to each other, and there's a funny picture where I'm yelling at Kai that I want his scooter, and uh, everybody's laughing and stuff, so I'm having a good time, and um, the uh, Emily mentioned that she was worried because I was kind of walking my bike um, to the bike rack spot, uh, that she was worried that I was in bad shape, and no, it's just uphill, <laughs> The transition area is on a hill, and um, it's uphill, and I'm wearing bike shoes, and it's the pavement's rough and whatever, and these kind of things don't matter that much. So I kind of run, walk a little bit. Um, so I start running, and definitely I love. Uh, I'm fine with a, a straight shot run, you know, point to point or one big loop, but man, uh, I'm totally cool with uh, multiple loop run courses, and um, this is multiple in and out. Uh, out and back uh, run courses because it gives you something physical to meter out yourself so it's three laps three loops uh, three out and backs and so it's um you know uh, first one just go easy second one try a little bit harder third one give it everything you got right and um by doing each one you have a good idea of what the terrain's going to be like how it affects you and you can you have something physical to compare yourself against every single time. So I'm a big fan of that. It uh, works fine for me. Um, then uh, it is what it is. So use it how you can use it. Um, I couldn't believe anybody, nobody was passing me on the run, and I was one of the faster runners because I was like going, I'm going slow. I'm walking a couple of the hills and uh, walking the aid stations, and I'm just running along, and nobody's passing me. And I'm like, this is really bizarre um i guess i'm going fast i don't know it's really weird and uh, because it certainly didn't feel fast um then the cool trick that i wanted to tell everybody that i do that i can't believe nobody else does is you run with a water bottle in your hand um like a smaller bike bottle you know not not the 20 ounce one but like the uh 
not the 24-ounce one, but just like the 20-ounce or 16-ounce or whatever water bottle with the screw top, op- big opening top, you know, just a bike bottle. And as you go through an aid station, as I go through an aid station, I pour ice in it and some water. And then as I run, um, dribble ice water on my head and on my arms, on these arm coolers, these DeSoto arm coolers. And it is amazing how it cools you down and you're not hot at all. And everybody around me is just melting down and they look so um, beat up and, and hot. And I'm just sitting there running with ice water. I got ice water on my head and in my hand and I'm drinking it and I'm running. Um, because the trick is is uh, to carry it with you because that uh, 8 to 10 minutes to 12 minutes between aid stations gets hot. And then you only have a few seconds at an aid station. Um Take it with you, man. And if you if you learn to run with a bottle in training, then now your training's better because you're uh, better fueled and better hydrated in training. And then when you do it in a race, uh, that bottle in your hand is second nature. And as you walk through an aid station, you fill it up and just keep going. And it's a huge benefit to be able to stay cool during that run, especially that run was brutal. It was really hot. I think it got upwards to 90 degrees. And it was exposed, not a cloud in the sky and just hot, hot, hot. So, and again, uh, you just dribble it on your head and dribble it on your arms, and it would last for about two, three minutes, and then I'd do it again. And it would last for about two, three minutes, keep me cool, and I would do it again. Uh, Fueling-wise, I tried drinking a little bit of Perform once I got going, you know, like first aid station, and it made my stomach hurt, and I was like, oh, man, I got too much fuel in my gut. So um, drink water, 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 lots of water to try to dilute it, and it worked, um, but it can only work so much. But um, I was using the burp fart method. And what that means is if you're burping, you've got plenty of fuel in you. Don't eat anything else. Just drink water to dilute it. It's going the wrong way. It's coming back up. You need to drink water. If you're farting, that means you're you're having gut problems, but it's going the right way. Still, don't eat anything, but you're getting you're on the right track. And keep uh, drinking water, and um, it'll eventually pass all the way through, and then you'll feel better. Um, and because um, my stomach was hurting, I was worried I was gonna. If I went too hard, I might puke. Um, I had to hold back on the run, and like I said, I had no pop on the run. I wanted to run faster, but uh, couldn't make myself because I knew I'd throw up, and um, that means uh, too much fuel and not enough water on the bike. Um, so I have to change one or the other, um, on the out and back, um, there, there's a big dip where it goes through a, uh, I guess a Creek channel or something. So it's a hill, both directions. And I walked it. Yeah. I walked a section of that hill every time. Um, because if you go too hard going up a hill, it'll blow you up later in the race. So right at the first lap of the race, I was walking hills, um, and uh, also I walk every aid station and uh, make sure I get the water and everything that I need. I fill up because it's going to be a long while to the next aid station. It's another ten minutes, and uh, if you can get that ice water and pour it on you or whatever fuel you need, it's worth it to walk through the aid station. And walking helps you digest your. I could tell having walked for thirty seconds or whatever. I'd get a little burst of energy because of um, the fuel that was kind of stuck in my stomach would get a chance to digest because I'm not bouncing up and down. So that's another reason to walk. You can look at my workout profile 
and there was a little dip in my heart rate the longer I was running. And it was me uh, trying to keep my pace low so I didn't get sick. Towards the very end of the run, I passed back a guy in my age group that uh, was melting down from the heat. And I was, I was running, and I had a, a couple of people comment to me, oh, man, that ice water sounds cool because you can hear it in my hand in the bottle as I'm running with it. <laughs> yeah, it's available to everybody. Like I said, you just grab a bottle of it and you get off the bike. Then I passed a guy, yeah, that was melting. I was like, yes, he was uh, 44, I think. And I passed him back. And I was like, good, good, good. And um, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. And again, I couldn't believe that no one, uh, two guys total passed me on the run. I stopped and peed. I peed on the bike uh, on a downhill, and uh, but it was short. And I peed at the first lap of the run at some point. I, I went into a uh, port can and peed for about, 30 seconds to a minute or something like that. And then as I was finishing up the run, the last the last half of the last lap, a couple of guys passed me that were in my age group. And I took off jogging after them, trying to push the pace to keep up with them. And I just couldn't do it. I finally lost them uh, right out front. But I, I had them in eyesight. So if I had to, maybe I could have sprinted my ass off um, to get there. <laughs> I probably would have. <laughs> and then throwing up all over the place. But then um, at the very end of the run, there's about maybe a quarter mile left. There's um, It splits, and it's like next lap, go to the left, finishers go to the right. And they took off to the next lap, and I was like, oh, they've still got another lap to go. And um, so I don't have to worry about them. And I knew that going into it, that that might happen, and I used them anyways as motivation to uh, run faster just in case. So you can trick yourself on purpose to do better. <laughs> So I was running as fast as I could, and Emily got a video of me finishing running, and uh, I was like, let's look how fast I was actually going versus how fast I thought I was going, because I thought I was hauling ass, and watching me run, I'm not going fast at all. It's tired. Right before I got to the finishing shoot, I'm still outside of the building. It's an indoor finish inside this rodeo arena. As I'm running in, I'm taking off my uh, DeSoto wings thing, um, because it looks kind of goofy. And also zipped up the front of my jersey, because it's a big Amrita logo on it. And I've learned that from people... Uh, have mentioned it. Pros and, and elites have mentioned that to make their sponsors look good. You want to clean yourself up a little bit so that your finish line photo is all right. <laughs> and, and I turned and looked behind me and there's no one coming uh, behind me. So I wasn't going to sprint finish, you know, to beat somebody for sure. And so I just, um, I took the uh, extra couple of seconds. I about broke my shoulder trying to get those wings off and uh, behind me and then put them in my jersey pocket behind me. But I did it. And it was cool. So I'm, I'm excited to um, see uh, the photo, if it turned out right and if I, if I looked okay. Um, but that's pretty cool. And that's a, 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 it's a good photo for yourself you know, and your family to put on the wall. So got around for a minute, ate some pizza, and told Emily that freaking course was hard. <laughs> and then uh, went out to the car and checked my laptop. I had a hot spot going on in the car and connected to it, checked the results. And I got 10th, and I, I was, like, just blown away with a 459, uh, just jumping up and down, going, yeah, I got 10th in my age group. I love getting 10th, top 10 in my age group in races. That is really hard to do sometimes. And in a really difficult race, that's a really good goal. You know, you can have a, a time goal, I guess, or a, um, you know, you want to get podium. But if the race starts getting really hard, you start going, man, I just like to get top 10. 
in my age group. And I did. I barely got it. And I did it. And um, all that cooling stuff on the run and uh, more hydration and the, uh, the burp fart method to meter out whether you need water or not, all that stuff and the polarized training was the key. And it's a huge, huge uh, improvement over 20th or 22nd or whatever I got at uh, Galveston. So um, I'm very excited. All right, I'm going to go grab some breakfast and be right back with some post-race details and uh, things that you can work with. All right, let's get closer to wrapping this thing up. At the awards ceremony, Emily and I decided to hang around and go to it to see if I got a roll-down spot to Worlds. And that was dramatic because we're like, how in the world are we going to pay for this? <laughs> because Worlds is in Austria. And I, th- I was thinking that, you know, we could get uh, donations on the show and some sponsorship dollars and stuff. And it would be huge to uh, go to Worlds. So it was worth it just to hang around and see if I would have gotten a spot in the, in the first place. And um, while I was checking my results, the guys parked in the car next to us in the parking lot said, hey, can you look up our results? And I did. And they got uh, second and fifth place. So we ended up hanging out with these guys, and they were a lot of fun. It was uh, the guy that got second is Greg Gervais, and the guy that got fifth is Taylor Dudley. Um, they live in Coeur d'Alene and Boulder and, you know, just around in the mountains at high altitude and no kids. <laughs> and that's why one of the many reasons that they uh, are, are so fast and um, – so it's like this is it was interesting to hang out with them because it's like these are the guys that I'm trying to beat, you know, uh, for spots and um, just kind of evaluating myself versus them and what's the difference, you know. So how do how do you keep on moving up? So it was cool hanging out with them and it was a lot of fun. And I've got some more tidbits on that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I peed on the bike and I peed once on the run. Um, uh, drinking the guys left to go get some beer and bring it back when I was hanging out with them. They said, the guy that lives in Boulder, uh, Taylor uh, Dudley, ta- Taylor Dudley, said that he hangs out and trains with a lot of the pros. And he said, there's no magic beans and no crazy magic food or, or diet or anything like that. It's just uh, consistent work, good quality work. Don't get distracted by doing lots of weird stuff and weird training methods and weird foods or anything like that. That it's uh, consistency. And, and good training. I love I love his saying, no magic beans. <laughs> it was pretty cool. And it turns out Taylor um, was the guy that the towards the second half of the bike ride, he's the guy that I was um, trying to stay seven meters off of and keep up with. And uh, we were talking about that. And he said, yeah, I kept looking back and you were legal distance. And actually, I didn't keep looking because I noticed this guy kept looking back at me and looking back at me every once in a while. He's like, I was just getting kind of bored and lonely out there. So I was just looking for, uh, make sure that, see if there's somebody else with me. <laughs> and I don't get that. Um, um, I, I, so many other people have this, that I, it's definitely a thing where they like having another uh, ride buddy with them somewhere or else they feel paranoid or lonely or something like that out on the course. And I guess that's a symptom of, of, uh, of people that, that train with other people a lot. Um, I'm used to training by myself a lot. So, um, if I start getting around too many other people, I start feeling like something's odd. And it's funny, he's the opposite. And so he was uh, liking it that I was nearby. <laughs> it gave him somebody to pace himself off of or whatever. I'm sitting there thinking, how do you know what the other person's doing? <laughs> anyway, we talked about that. That was good fun. At the award ceremony, uh, the guy that got first 
Place Pro, they announced that um, he was staying. He was a home. He was from New Zealand or Australia, I think New Zealand, and he was a homestay with a local pro triathlete, famous pro triathlete, Brandon Marsh and Brandon and Amy Marsh, and Amy's badass. And um, I look up in the stands, and there's Brandon Marsh sitting up there, uh, coming down. Oh, he's walking down to the front of the stands to take a photo of the guy that won. So I went over and talked to Brandon. I didn't interview him or anything. We just talked just recently anyway. I talked to Brandon for a minute. He said his race season was a little bit over because of um, of, uh, of I think some kind of leg injury in a race. He was just taking it easy. That was cool. Sit there and talk to Brandon, and, and uh, we knew each other. And he's the guy that was won the swim He's won the swim in Texas, maybe at, at Kona too, and was leading. <laughs> like this dude is a bad ass swimmer, so it's it's super cool to talk to him. And then I didn't get the roll down. Um, it went to like third or fourth place, which was unusual because usually they go. I've been at races where we'll go down to eighth or tenth or twelfth, and so there was a, honestly a real chance that I was going to get a spot. So uh, Kai was disappointed, um, and we played in the Jeep as you heard. Uh, waiting for the roll down, so that was fun. We had a really good time just waiting around and watching the shenanigans and the pros and the and the um, the triathlon teams from like West Point and stuff like that. It was it was neat and it was indoors. Even though it was warm, it wasn't too hot, and it was just it was nice. Oh, everybody! If you know Taylor Dudley or uh, Greg Gervais, uh, say hi to him. I really enjoyed hanging out with them and uh, and drinking the beer and eating the chips and salsa. <laughs> and Taylor Taylor said that I should interview Greg on what not to do and still be fast because <laughs> apparently he just drinks and eats and whatever and he's that fast so that's pretty cool. I, I did want to mention that I drank beet juice. You can buy beat it beet juice in shots kind of like five hour energy drink size shots. You can buy it in shots so it's really convenient. You can order them and I drank one sh- the day before the race I drank two. I drank one in the morning and one in the evening and the day of the race I drank one in the morning and that loads you up with nitrates, and nitrates carry extra oxygen. And I definitely felt like during the race I had no breathing limits. And then if you're going pretty hard, the, the days after a race, uh, you may feel like you're out of breath or whatever. Nothing like that at all. Does it help? Yes, it definitely does help. Do you actually really need it? Is it, is it magic beans? It's, a, it's kind of half magic beans. It really does work. Good, good training won't really... Uh, make you require it or anything like that. It's just nice to have. But then if you can't get it, don't stress out about it. I also want to say that I didn't try in this race. It was really weird. I didn't try any harder than I ever have at any race. Um, and I still got a better result, the best result ever. In fact, I probably tried, I didn't try as, tried less because I was better trained. I had no death march pushing myself you know, at, at the end, I didn't need to. <laughs> and so because there was no, you know, uh, dying towards the end, I would say in a way I trained less. I mean, I tried less um, and I'm going to recover faster and everything. So I just trained better and it made the race really enjoyable. It made it like a hard workout with a fast finish or like a medium workout that got a little bit harder towards the end and with a fast finish. If you can if you can do a race like that, you have so much fun, you know? It was actually really entertaining. I'm not saying it wasn't, it was getting pretty hard there towards the end on those, on those hills and the death march and the burping and the farting and the, the uh, trying not to get sick to my stomach. I mean, it was definitely hard work, but it wasn't a death march and it wasn't brutal and I wasn't dying of cramps or anything like that. So I was actually able to enjoy it. And uh, that's the that's the place where you want to get to. I also want to say on the Austin race in general, I actually liked the race. I liked it that it was challenging. That means it was a perfect match. It was challenging, 
which made it go by faster, but it wasn't too hard. But lots of people said it was really freaking hard and, and even too hard, which means that I was appropriately trained, right? So I was like in a flow state most of the time because the difficulty matched my level of ability. And also I held back smartly enough so that I made it as hard as my ability, which takes uh, some training to do that correctly. The bike course is actually kind of fun if you are familiar with it. Make sure you go drive the bike course um, on Slow Twitch, there's this thread going on about how much people you know, thought the bike course was just the most awful thing ever. I actually kind of liked it, but I drove it ahead of time. <laughs> so, and I'm used to uh, a mix of smooth and, and, and rough pavement. And it's all just a familiarity thing and what you're used to. Um, when it was super smooth, you know, that's like, ah, oh, wow, this is so nice, you know. And so I was actually enjoying, overly enjoying uh, at least half of it. The uh, On the run, walk the aid stations and the hills. When a hill starts getting hard, walk for a while, and you'll be faster at the end for it. Um, the DeSoto Wings, I highly recommend. The ice water dribbling was fantastic. Can't believe more people don't do that. Um, headlamp, if you, uh, you, you got a dark start to the most races, almost all races, bring a headlamp with you, get a cheap one at the, uh, at, at Academy or Gander Mountain or whatever outdoor shop you want to go get one. A Petzl is always a good brand, P-E-T-Z-L. And it, now you have your hands free to work on things like changing flats and stuff like that. So, um, and then also bring spare tubes of every kind. <laughs> if you use latex tubes, bring an extra latex one because you might blow out your latex um, before the race even starts. And it's nice to put a new one back in there. Valve extenders, all kinds of stuff. Bring everything because you never know before the race, you might need it. And then you used it. And then during the race, uh, you won't have a spare. And then you're stuck out there. Um, I also want to say, Emily is pretty freaking badass because uh, that course is hard. And the fact that she did it last year, I, I was out there on the bike and on the run going, man, Emily is badass. She freaking did this? This I'm really impressed. You know, I didn't know it was that hard. So I came away from that course thinking Emily is even more awesome than I already thought she was, which I didn't think was possible. And uh, I just want to, uh, again, I got a note here, the second and fifth place guys aren't trying all that hard. The guys that beat me, they told me they're not trying all that hard. They're just training right. And uh, that's the difference. Is if you start trying really hard, well, you're going to blow up. So you need to train right. Not volume, but train right. So that these races aren't miserable experiences towards the end. They're fun. And the um, being 10th in my age group is the first feeling is, wow, holy crap. And then the next feeling is, wow, I'm pretty awesome. And then the next feeling after a while is, why didn't I get third? <laughs> you're just never happy. It's so funny. So, yeah, you're never happy. And you always want to be faster. And I definitely feel like, oh, well, I want to say overall that I am really, really happy that in a weird way I feel like I've, quote, unquote, made it that I'm uh, actually uh, and uh, very fast and um, and as fast as anyone ever needs to be. So now it's just anything I do from here on out is just like fun, icing on the cake kind of stuff. And I'm definitely going to enjoy it while, I, while it lasts. And um, I definitely feel like I could be faster, a lot faster. Um, it's really just uh, figuring out uh, more strength training and run hills mixed in with the uh, bike work and getting faster from here on out, how to stage all that with rest and stuff like that. So 
Um, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And if you feel like any of these tips or a lot of these tips helped you out to uh, train and race smarter and take racing and triathlon and life a little bit easier and with a little bit more understanding and um, a little bit more calmness and some zen in there and it all makes more sense after uh, listening to the show, then uh, consider sending a donation to the podcast, zentriathlon.com. On the left-hand side, there's a, there's a donate button. I really appreciate it. Bringing all this information to you is, is hard work. The whole time that I'm training and racing, I'm thinking of stuff. Like, I need to mention this on the show. I need to mention on the show. Taking notes constantly so I can share this with you because everybody deserves to have great results and good races and not waste time uh, doing things that don't work and spend their time doing things that do work. And that is my goal to bring all that stuff to you. And remember, everything's individual. So you got your own stuff. You know, I like green salsa. You might like red salsa. <laughs> it's both salsa. But anyway, the um, Iron Baby is next. So that's a self support Iron Man. It is November 9th. I know Phil Smith, it, Philip Smith is doing it with me. And um, I, we'll see whoever else shows up. Uh, it's both on location in College Station, Texas. If you want to come to it or do parts of it, small parts, big parts of it, it's looped, so you can do as much or little of it as you want. Send me an email at texafornia at gmail.com. And if you want to do your own, do something out there, and then send me details of what you're doing and how you're doing it, uh, send me an email too, texafornia at gmail.com, and we'll put together a cluster of iron babies out there and put it all up on the page, okay? So again... Thanks for everybody uh, listening to the show. I had a really good time, and we'll see what happens next episode. You never know. It's always changing. All right. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. Out.